In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast, episode two thirty-seven, November books. Woohoo! Yeah, uh, Mark, you want to tell people what issues uh, in particular we're covering this time around? We will be covering, excuse me, Green Lantern forty-six, Star Trek Green Lantern number five, Lost Army number six, the end, <laughs> the Dark Side War one shot related to the Dark Side War Green Lantern one shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sinestro 17. So no Lobo this month since it doesn't cover anything related to Green Lantern. <clears throat> and we'll briefly touch upon Lobo next month just to tell you, kind of give you the ins and outs because it... Oh, you finally read that one? Yeah, I finally... I got my books yesterday, which covered the ones I was... You know, including the two I was missing, which was one of them last week when I was away. So I got all my books this week's and last week's yesterday and yeah i i read it so you 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 were correct it has hal in it so it might so it's worth touching upon ever so briefly but it doesn't there isn't much there and plus it's the last freaking issue with the of lobo so, <laughs> so. <clears throat> all right so you want to start us off with green lantern 46 i will start us off with number 46 with a very awesome ethan van skyver cover relic joins the final battle against black hand not to be confused with Hal's final battle against Black Hand last issue. You don't tell him which cover you got. I've actually, I have both. I actually. <laughs> That's I, why. Yes, I have. I have the, as I mentioned, they have the, the Austin, very cool Van Skyver cover, and my comic shop Dragons Den. Here's a, here's a uh, plug for you. They actually did pull the awesome variant cover, which has Marvin the Martian kind of. And K9, of course, behind it, but Marvin the Martian pretty much doing his uh, Hal, his Hal-like look in, for Emerald Twilight, part, you know, Part Two, Number Forty Nine, when he's holding his hands up with all the Green Lantern rings all over his little, all over his little hands and fingers. <laughs> that is a pretty cool cover. Which one did you get? Oh, you got them both because you got a digital, right? Yes, I have a digital. <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's one of the best variant covers in a long time. <laughs> Can't go wrong with Marvin. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into this. Uh, we have a, it begins in sp- Space Sector 3052 on this really awesome, you know, beautiful world, kind of like Odom-like, except it's more, a little bit more red than Odom. But that's when you have Trapper and Virgo kind of talking amongst themselves. You know, again, kind of following up on Hal's reference of you know stopping to smell the roses, though of course he didn't quite phrase it properly. So while they're hanging out in, in, you know, in bliss and enjoying, enjoying the planet, we pick up with Hal, you know, when the, uh, taking the unconscious black hand, trying to get him back to the source wall. Since he has an idea, 
he, he's kind of hoping he may have a glimpse of a glimmer of an idea, and he certainly hopes Relic will have an idea what to do with Black Hand. So this time, since Hal kind of like once again kind of played games with Relic, the last time they met, this time he creates a big Green Lantern symbol ahead of his arrival to make you know Relic know, you know, make it well known that you know he's coming, he's coming. And of course, he Relic, as usual, looks pissed. And a pretty cool splash page to begin the issue. Uh, Robert Venditti is the writer, Billy Tan the penciler, Mark Irwin was the inker, Alex Sinclair the colorist, Dave Sharp the letterer, and Van Skyver and Sinclair did the did the regular cover. And the Looney Tunes variant cover was by Jorge Corona and Spike Brandt. So Hal Trebasi, you know. Once again, Relic does his usual little lightsmith shtick and tries to, you know, and kind of wants to pick up where they left off before and have a confrontation. And Hal's kind of like, listen, we don't have to be friends here, but why don't we just, can't we just be like two guys, you know, who have like a common goal with this? And, you know, and Relic still kind of still trying to be an a-hole to start with. It's like, surrender your light weapon and I'll listen. And it's like, listen, I can't do that. And this is why, because at least Hal can get away with it in a way, isn't it? legitimate excuse because now he reveals what he you know what he has captured in his little almost like a coffin kind of like that he's a energy construct coffin or box that he brought black hand back in and this is when Hal kind of says well this is the you know black hand kind of touched the source wall basically filling in the blanks for relic but we all know this he touched the source wall and basically somehow it went into him and then he absorbed some of the material and now everything black hand touches turns to stone and he's kind of hoping that uh, he's kind of hoping that Relic can figure out an idea, what to, you know, how to solve the problem. And of course, Relic goes, eh, "I might have an idea." And while they're talking, of course, Black Hand comes, you know, comes up to again. And then as soon as he comes to, he touches, the, you know, the, the, the transporting box that Hal created. That starts turning to stone, and then Black Hand breaks free of it. Uh, one cool, probably one of the cooler parts of this, even though it doesn't seem to buy Hal that much more respect with Relic, is right after Black Hand kind of break breaks free from the from his little temporary prison. There's a bunch of the the fragments of the uh, source, basically that, that have turned to stone. The fragments go shooting towards Relic, and of course Hal creates an energy construct wall to protect Relic from getting hit with all that. Of course, the wall turns to stone quickly after, but that's when Hal makes a point of, don't let the pieces touch you. Black Hand continues to act nutty. It's like, you kidnapped me, Hal, all this stuff. And Hal goes, it's not like you would have come with me willingly, would you? And they start and they start fighting. Uh, it's kind of funny when Relic tries to reason with Black Hand. I thought that was kind of cool. It's like, listen to reason, human. Because he's so because he's so rational and reasonable himself all the time, but it was but it is kind of funny. Um, so but relic, you know, relic kind of has an uh, relic kind of has an idea of what to do here to, to try to solve the problem. He sends some of his uh his robots, some of his collectors, to grab Black Hand to try to drag him towards the source wall. You know, of course, uh, you know, they turn to stone quickly afterwards, especially once Black Hand grabs a hold of them. And basically, the the, the pieces go. Sh- he, he, he once he shakes them off, the, you know the uh, collectors, the stone collectors, go shooting past Relic in another cool panel. How he just kind of ever so slightly tilts his head, and the things go by him. But the, but he notices that as soon as they go by him and hit the source wall, they merge back into it. 
So Relic, ha- you know, so Relic has the idea. Basically, Relic's idea is he believes that the Source Wall almost and it's it's kind of like partially trying to heal itself at the same time the fragments that belong in the Source Wall are trying to go home. So he ba- his basic belief is if you get Black Hand close enough to the wall, the Source Wall, basically it'll suck him in and it'll solve the problem because all the other pieces of the Source Wall around Black Hand and everything that turns to stone, once it gets re- relatively close to the Source Wall gets pulled in and, and, and so it's basically going back or filling in the holes to where it belongs. So Relic, you know, Relic tells him to move, tells Hal to move out of, you know, to move out of his way at the same time that, you know, Trapper, Virgo, and Darlene show up to, you know, trying to, to uh, help Hal. They basically shoot the anchor out of their ship, which blasts, you know, smashes into Black Hand, knocks him, you know, knocks him pretty much almost against, almost against the source wall. And you know, Relic is kind of surprised at this point because he's because Black Hand is is practically touching the Source Wall, but yet it doesn't pull him in. So he, he's so he's kind of he's a little thrown off by that. But of course, Black Hand kind of gets besides nutty, he gets cocky. You know, he goes, "You can't stop me," and he reaches out and he touches the Source Wall with his hand. And when he does that, besides the fact that his, <laughs> that his hand breaks off, the hand that he touched the wall with breaks off. That's when the source wall starts pulling Black Hand in. Uh, it basically fe- seals the fissure in the wall, and of course, not surprisingly, like we really needed an out for Black Hand because we know at some point there will be one. Even Relic kind of comments that the human is dormant, and basically all, besides the hole being filled, is essentially pull all the elements and aspects of the source wall out of Black Hand. So whenever, however, and whenever he gets out, he won't have. He, you know, basically, they're telling you he won't have that power anymore. Then, of course, Relic being Relic, you know, kind of makes you kind of. I guess it's a little bit of a concession for Relic. He concedes that you know, maybe it's the exception to the rule, but you actually did something good with with your green energy. But that doesn't mean I can I can just let you wield it when you want. And by the time he gets done turning around, you know, Hal's already gone, along with Trapper and Virgo, and you know, just they have a nice they have a nice you know little almost. Like a celebration, but you know, very low key celebration. And this is when, uh, in a way, Vir- Virgo certainly is on board for, to continuing his adventures with Hal and Trapper. Really, like, do I get a vote here? And obviously he doesn't. So the three of them are going to continue on as, and they're going to head back to Earth, as we, you know, as we'll find out more of in the next issue. And the last page, we, you know, gives us, uh, little peek at Modora, which of course is the homeland of Sonar, which factors into the next issue. So, next issue! Hal goes home! I mean, it was cool. Kind of, you know, low-key for a, penult- for a penultimate fight or ending of the story, I guess. Yeah, uh, like some other people have pointed out, it seems like in a way, the way the way everything ended probably could have ended like in half an issue, actually. <laughs> and then what uh, Myron was saying in the... Uh, State of the Green Lantern Union thing about how that's not even how the fissure got sealed up. <laughs> it was like once we get to uh, Lost Army, you Lost Army. So, yeah, but I guess we'll talk more about that once we actually get to, to that issue, since that issue ties in. That concern ties into that issue. So, I like the way uh, Black Hand's drawn. Yeah, Black Hand looks pretty cool, and Relic looks pretty cool. So again, giving the devil his due, but you know, Bill. Actually, if it wasn't for, again, even though Hal in a few panels still looks does look good in a few panels on this in this book, but again, if you take away the the Hal issue, Billy Tan's art in this book is pretty good. Hmm. So, 
He draws a good relic. I mean, he, he does draw a good relic. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if there's much to say about this. It was it was a little disappointing. You kind of hoped there would be more to it. I mean, even even the cover in a way. I mean, I think the cover kind of almost. I think we knew where it was going once we saw last issue, but when this cover was originally solicited, it kind of gave the impression that like all three of them were going to have to use their power together to kind of solve the problem at the source wall. And that's the way that's the way in a way the cover kind of looked when I first saw it. Uh, and you know, Relic doesn't really do all that much offer other than bare minimum advice here. Um, something that Hal probably could have figured out on his own, really. Or at least he would have tried to do that, probably, considering considering that's how they <laughs> considering how that's that's how they got rid of Relic to begin with the first time. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean it's cool um, that you know that that moment where Black Hand basically turns into a living rock himself, not just his hands. That looks kind of cool. Yeah, as he's being pulled, you know, into the source wall. No, before that. Oh, you mean right? You mean after he's been? He's like right next to it. You mean? When the anchor hits him? No. Um, sorry, I closed it, so I need to open it again. Uh, you mean when his hand starts breaking off and stuff like that? No. Uh, I'm talking about... Let's see. It's before he even gets oh, close. Oh, well, not, not... Yeah, when he, when he freaks out, and he goes, yeah, look, um, you made me into a freak, not, not even the kind I like. Yeah. Yes. That's when he basically yeah. becomes almost, you know, fully, full source wall material. Yeah, you can see it inching its way up its ar- his arms before, and then when he says, "You think you think you know what I've become?" It's gone from like just his biceps to his shoulders, and then it's you know he's fully sort of rock. Yeah, it almost has like doomsday like claws at this point. Oh, for sure. It was co- it was it was pretty good. I mean, I think the, I think it could have been a more it could have been a better ending, but but it wasn't a bad issue. For sure. Uh, Spectrum Wars number five. Spectrum Wars number five. Okay, Star Trek Green Lantern, The Spectrum War number five. Written by Mike Johnson, art by Angel Hernandez, colors by Alejandro Sanchez, letters by Neil Utaki. Uh, and uh, we basically uh, open yet again where we left off with uh, Atrocitus and Sinestro and Larflees and and Hal and you know everybody, basically everybody, uh, still going ape shit up against each other. Um, uh, Starfleet Command is sending out a, a request for backup, uh, not the Enterprise because everybody's still out of it. Um, and uh, Hal calls out to Uhura and you know says he needs her help. She shows up and says you know what happened to everybody and you know Sinestro is what happened to everybody. Um, and he's like, you know, he, he used his fear to knock out your crew. And she says, I know I can sense it. And I can sense that this new power I have is the opposite of fear. Well, hope is the opposite of fear, but okay. Yeah, I know. Chalk, <laughs> chalk went up right away again. <laughs> <laughs> and she brings everybody to, they all wake up. Um, uh, Kirk basically immediately says, give me back my chair. Uh, cause Hal is sitting in the captain's chair. Um, and they start, uh, Figuring out what to do, um, yeah. Kirk ke- uh, checks in with Bones, and uh, um, Tim Walker is still out of it. <sighs> Larflees is going nuts, wanting everything, ships, 
Enterprise, freaking all the all the uh, Federation ships. Uh, and meanwhile, um, the uh, the the Klingon is going up against the Romulan. Uh, Fear going up against uh, uh, Orange, just because to, you know they're all greedy and. I mean, jackasses. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Sinestro shows up and says, hey, quit your bitching. Uh, there's more at stake here. So, um, you know, we need, he says, Larfley is atrocities. We, we must use our combined light to end Jordan once and for all. There'll be plenty of time for us and our newfound proxies to fight each other later. And that's when um, Green, Blue, and Indigo, and Violet all hit... Uh, Sinestro in the chest, and they're fighting each other. It's a war of light kind of a thing again. Sinestro gets the better of everybody, and then, just in the nick of time, there comes uh, Guy and John and uh, Kilowog, as uh, Guy says, here we go again, arriving just in time to save Jorgen's butt. Um, then the... Uh, Spock alerts Kirk that Vulcan has returned, uh, back out of the fight, all the Green Lanterns are taking on Sinestro. Uh, they've secured him in a little bubble, and uh, Kirk says, we, we need to leave now. Uh, so they all board and leave. Uh, and they say, you know, uh, what, he's, he's, we, we need to leave right now. We've got injured, all that stuff. And Hal's like, well, what about our enemies? And he says, well, let them fight it out. For now, if what you've told me about Necron is true, he's the priority, and I think we found him. Um, so he's like, well, I'm not leaving Sinestro here. And Sinestro's like, well, you're going to need me if you want any chance against uh, Necron. Our reckoning will just have to wait. Then they put um, Sinestro in the uh, cell aboard the Enterprise, which is uh, it was in Out of Darkness. They held uh, what's-his-nut in there. Um, Khan. Khan, yes. The same Khan. same. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, he says, your brig isn't going to hold him if he wants to get out. I expect the only reason he's playing along is because he wants to find out if you're right about Necron and this planet. And they're all trying to formulate a plan. Meanwhile, um, oh, what is his name? Um, the pilot. Sulu. Sulu, there you go. Uh, Sulu's flying the Enterprise and Kilowog standing there impatiently goes, which button makes it go faster? Then <laughs> uh, Scotty and his little friend, who I could never figure out. Did he even ever have a name? He might have had a name, but I... I maybe I'll maybe before the final issue of the series, I'll bother to look it up and I'd like to see the cast of... Of the last two Star Trek movies to see if they ever actually named that character. They probably did. Um, so basically, Scotty has shown up to let Kirk know that he's become a uh, he's created a ring. Uh, you basically putting the phasers into ring form, um, and he says, you know, it's a phaser you can wear on your finger. Now we just need a, a test pilot or a guinea pig. <laughs> A guinea pig, um, I mean, test pilot. Uh, Sulu, can you spare a moment? <laughs> uh, so he comes over and he puts on the ring, and wow, he becomes, I guess that's white. He, he's not really a white lantern, but it's its a white aura. Um, and it says it gives you a personal force field. It fires phaser blasts, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, and 
Hal's like, well, would you plan on giving it one of these to every member of the crew? And he's like, well, I'd rather wait to make sure Mr. Suba doesn't die. <laughs> and Suba's like, I can hear you, Scotty. But I feel fine. In fact, I've never felt better. And then they turn their attention to the view screens, and they have arrived at Planet Vulcan. Um, and they're all... Um, teleported is not the word. What's the word in Star Trek? Transported. Transported. There you go. They're all transported to the surface, and uh, Kilowog's going to vomit. Uh, and he said, uh, Scott's, Scotty, uh, not Scotty, um, Spock is like, I'm not detecting any signs of life, Captain, and then... And why would you? For in this place, you will only find the one great constant found in every universe. Death. And there is Necron with a bunch of Vulcans behind him, presumably the council members that we saw get killed um, in the first movie. And uh, that looks like his mother right there with a little thing around her head. Yep. Right by his side. And it says, to be concluded. Which, as we record this, the sixth issue is already out. Yes. Keenzer is the character. The little alien dude yeah, with the beady I knew, eyes. Yeah, I knew Deep Roy played him, so I just IMDb'd it. It looks like Keenzer was, was, was it, is his actual character's name. What did you think? Well, at least there wasn't a, I mean, there wasn't a, the glaring, mis- I mean, there was a mistake, but not the super glaring mistake like in the last issue that just derails it for me. Uh, still no Indigo 1, and obviously, uh, if you do have hopes to see Indigo One, don't don't keep those hopes kind of high. <laughs> uh, which is which is something we'll all the stuff that wasn't in here that should have been. We can probably bitch about, or I can bitch about, maybe after we get done with uh, the the series. Uh, yeah, and just just as a heads up, we've already talked. Uh, you guys really should be following us over on Twitter. Uh, we've, uh, we've talked, you know, uh, uh, with, uh, with a bunch of creators off and on about various things. And, uh, we may or may not have Mike Johnson, who wrote this, uh, six issue series on the show. Uh, so he'll be hopefully swinging by to talk about this six issue, uh, uh, mini and, and what went into it and all of that. Um, you know, we, he said he was interested in coming on, but, you know, it's all about logistics, guys. So hopefully we can have Mike on in the future. So keep an eye out for that, but don't hold us to it. <laughs> the art again, you know, some some characters look really good, and some character again, Lorflee still drawn like a werewolf. Uh, guy, I think Guy looked particularly horrible in a few panels. He looks really goofy looking. Yeah. Uh, you know, but Sulu, Spock, all all the Star Trek characters really, really, really look well, and Necron looks pretty cool. It's hard. To, I don't know. You know, there wasn't a, to me. There wasn't anything. You know, there's not a lot to dig into with this issue. Once again, Saint Walker's friggin' off the table until literally well, he's, 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 on, he's on, the on the table. He's on the table, but he's literally off the table for the storyline. And you know, and and again, if you're if you're hoping for a whole lot of, for of Saint Walker to balance it out in the final issues, again, don't no pun intended. Don't keep your hopes up. Uh, I don't know. I think there's. I like, in a way, I like this this issue more than I think issue six, but and I probably liked it more than the last issue, but I don't know. I, saw, I don't know. There's something about it's. I'm kind of 
really neutral on this issue, I'm, and I'm not, can't necessarily tell you why, but it just seems like, like we talked about before, there was a lot they were trying to, lot they were trying to do in a small period of space, or period of time, and it seems like in a way, maybe this, maybe this issue could have had more, or maybe if it's the pacing, by the time they got to this issue, you couldn't, you know, maybe if there was more in previous issues, maybe the, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling. What, do you, what did you think of it? I'm assuming you liked it better than I did. Yeah, the colors are all really fantastic. Again, that continues to be one of the main highlights for me, um, especially when you start having more and more lanterns involved, like that double-page splash of all the the ships and the lanterns going up against one another. That yes. Really good. With the background of the planets, and, you know, it's just it's really good. Um, I just think that... Um, I don't know. I think I think to me, uh, my my issues with the um, compatibility with the previous universe will come. Of, you know, if we interview Mike or if we can just ask him one question on Twitter and have him respond or something. Uh, you know, it'll it'll come for me with the answer of: uh, Are these lanterns from our the DC universe as we know it, or? Are we just taking the core concepts of that DC universe and transporting in here and kind of fudging with the history a bit? Is it that, or is this uh, the New 52 history of the Lanterns, and because Blackest Night took place before the New 52, is Kyle's thing just sort of the New 52's universe version of what happened during Blackest Night? You know, stuff like that. Um, is, Is things like... Uh, Uhura waking them up because they've been experiencing fear is when she says, you know, love is the opposite of fear. Does she just mean it's on the other side of the spectrum? You know, that kind of a thing. So I like, could could hope, compassion and love all theoretically do the same thing to someone who's been overcome by fear. Right. That and that is a possible explanation. But again, for people who are, as you kind of we picked up on immediately, that. For people who know the you know know the lanterns and know the emotional spectrum and know what they're supposed to be and know you know what really you know literally what you know what is the opposite number on the other side based on the way the spectrum is set up that it just kind of stands out like a you know like a sore thumb that it's that it's not technically accurate even the mere concept of emotions you know love hate are opposites of each other which which is more rage now we know it's more you know, the red lanterns are more rage than hate at this point you know they kind of have but still the, that that point is they are the opposite numbers on the spectrum so but so then then fear like you said fear and hope are the are the opposite so i don't know but those are yeah those are quite i'm sure there'll be a bunch of questions we would along those lines or unless he gives one general answer which would kind of like answer it, you know, sum it up nicely. We probably would have uh, several questions along those lines uh, of why it doesn't, you know, why it doesn't jibe with the the history of Blackest Night and the history of, and and the knowledge that we have of the emotional spectrum and the cores, so, which, you know, if you're, if you're somebody who's a Star Trek fan, you don't know much about Green Lantern, then, you know, then that, then that's fine, you just accept it on face value, but if you're, you know, if you're a Green Lantern fan reading this, and it's like, well, okay, this doesn't make sense, this didn't happen, that doesn't work, this wasn't right, then it kind of becomes an issue, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, so, but again, a lot of more, a lot more of this can be, I think we, we'll delve into, 
now that the series is complete, and once we talk about issue six, then there are a lot of things that are still hanging out there that if you, if people who, for the people who haven't read issue six yet and still are thinking what might happen and who might show up and who doesn't show up in, in the final part, you know, there's no, that we don't really want to spoil it. So we, once we get to issue six, and then we can talk more about how we think it worked and didn't work and the things that appeared and didn't appear in, in the series and if that affected our enjoyment of it. Well, I like the, uh, again, my favorite thing in the, in the series is the colors, but I did notice one small mistake. Uh, if you go to the page where Scotty says, uh, I just need a guinea pig, um, I mean test pilot. Yes. Hold on. Okay. My page just closed, but I was on it, yes. Okay, look at Sulu's eyes. Oh, yeah, they're like blue. No. One's blue, one's, one's brown. One's blue, one's brown, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's one issue there, um, but yeah. Uh, otherwise, I like uh, just some cool stuffs happening with the colors, like the 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 color swirl around Vulcan. That's a nice touch. Yes, that that yeah, and and, and just Vulcan onto itself, even without the swirl, would look cool. But yes, there's something about it because it's 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 not quite you know it's not quite all black. Let's put it that way. It's a very yeah. black-purple mix. It's almost like a black light. Right. Uh, now, what would be even cooler is, is, does that, is it just me, or do, is that uh, those two spots in the background, is, is the power of it, uh, it, it, rather than Vulcan just coming back to life, Necron is also causing eclipses in the background? Do you see that? Or those Vulcans moves? Uh, that's a good question. I was when I when when you were talking, I was looking at it. I kind of I kind of assumed they were moons, but if you but if especially if you look at the one in the in the bottom right, it does kind of look like it it could be it could be an eclipse. Yeah. In which case the the purple takes on a whole new meaning because that means it's eclipso. He's made it through the, the last light <laughs> protocol. <laughs> Uh, all right. You want to move on, or is there anything else you say about this particular one? No, I, I think I'm good with it. Unless there's something else you want to add to it. No, I'm good. Uh, just excited for the ending. I, I'll probably pick this up in hardcover form. I liked it that much. Yeah, there's some small issues, but I think overall, I think I'm going to read it again, uh, like in a solid go through, and see if the pacing's a little bit different for me. Uh, if it flows, if it flows well, I, I, I enjoyed it enough to definitely have it in like a, a trade paperback form. I can understand, I can see that. I can understand that. All right, Lost Army. Lost Army number six, the grand finale that doesn't end anything other than Cullen Bunn's attempt to, <laughs> to do the story. This is the song. <laughs> <laughs> kind of ironic. The title, you know, the title of the issue is Spectrum. Writers Cullen Bunn, art and color by, but it is, is it Jesus Sayers or Jesus Sayers? Jesus Sayers. Jesus, that's what I assumed, but for some reason I felt compelled to ask again. Jesus Sayas, Dave Sharp, Letterer, uh, Guillaume March is the cover. And uh, actually, I like I kind of like the cover. The cover's pretty cool. because yeah, I do like the cover. Yeah, you kind of, you know, Kilowog, Kilowog and John especially look pretty cool. Arisian, looks like, is that supposed to be Guy or the other one? The, the, that's Guy. That's the, He's got the Christmas line. Oh, that's right. He still has the Christmas outfit. That's right. That's supposed to be his his uh, his vest. How they're on the bottom and all the other, you know, all the various lightsmiths of the, of the different cores are kind of like hovering above them. 
So picking up where we left off last issue, uh, the various power pyramids in Relic's universe were attacking Mogo. And as we find out relatively shortly in this issue, basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to terraform Mogo and try to, in a way, make Mogo a, you know, a living, breathing... Basically, well, he may not be breathing at the end, but it's kind of like a, a world which is a living reservoir onto itself of the emotional spectrum, which seems to get... Uh, kind of gets uh, Krona there all kind of like tight. Makes him all squishy in his jeans, that kind of concept of, ooh, a planet that's just, you know... Cons- a planet that's, you know, basically onto itself as a, you know, like a well of emotional energy. It's like, ooh. But now, we, on the surface of Mogo, uh, basically, another, another the, the the dimming over here is kind of like full, going full bore again because you have lanterns of all different colors, I should say, lightsmiths of all different colors, uh, of Relic's universe fighting amongst themselves. They're fighting Green Lanterns. And we find out that pretty much, maybe not every single one of the Green Lanterns that still exists, but if not, a huge chunk of them basically are on Mogo and have been on Mogo all this time, basically defending the central power battery, which everybody seems to want to get a piece of because, of course, it still it still has power in it. And they're des- you know the the lightsmiths of Relic's universe are so desperate for light they'll they'll do anything to get it. Our old buddy there, Simon Baz, you know, finally shows up in the final issue here. This this is where he's been all this time, you know, as one of the defenders of the of the central power battery. Um, John and you know, John and uh, Simon pretty much have a quick catching up, both kind of sharing a little bit of information of what they know and how John's going to fill him, you know, f- you know, get, fill him, fill Simon at least in on the rest once he. Uh, if, of course, they survive this battle. Uh, Relic, you know, Relic and Krona kind of observe all this, and, and, they're, and they're fascinated by it, but, of course, like I said, Krona's a little more, he's a little more than fascinated by it. He's kind of, like, really kind of getting off on the concept of what's going on here, and he doesn't seem to care all that much that Mogo is a living world, and, you know, this this whole thing could kill him or drive him, drive him insane, even if it doesn't kill him. An interesting point that uh, Salak kind of mentions when Krona's going, oh, you know, kind of like, oh, you know, if this was a lifeless world, this would be, you know, this could be perfect. He doesn't say the perfect, but that's kind of seemingly where he's going, that, you know, this would be ideal if it was a lifeless world, that, you know, that could do this, uh, be this this wellspring, as he refers to it as. And Salak points out, one, two, three, it's like, you know, this is not a lifeless world. It's like, where, and when there is no, where there is no life, there is no emotion, which is kind of back to the whole reservoir concept, I think. That's why I like it, because it's like, it doesn't really matter. Again, it doesn't go along with the idea that, that the, you know, that the reservoir is is finite or should be finite. Um, one, of the, one of the yellow land, you know, one of the yellow lanterns tries to, which and I like this this page in particular, tries to use John's, you know, fears against him about, oh, you were supposed to lead us home as all these energy constructs of, of the lanterns, including Kilowager and Guy are like, fight surrounding John and fighting and fighting John is like you were you we followed you you lied to us all the stuff and and of course you know John you know being John shakes it off you know relatively quickly though that uh though I'm not quite sure with his sorry pal we were here first line I'm not quite sure how that really works I mean unless he's talking about being on Mogo or near their power battery because obviously we know in the history of the universe really relics uh, light users really were there first um you know, 
you know, John's kind of concerned about, you know, the long-term ramifications for all this, you know, even if, you know, even if they survive this, you know, the, this constant struggle that seemingly gets them nowhere could cause them to lose hope and then they could turn on each other. But then we get the, one of the major developments of this issue is we see the green, you know, we see the green, the blue, and the red central power pyramids shooting their energy down onto Mogo and was it was it is this two this is two six right two six gets hit by the blue by the blue stream of energy and by when she gets caught in it she changes she changes and her ring changes and she changes into a blue lantern and we see this pattern continuing on the surface of mogo that pretty much everybody who uh but Turiat over there gets hit by uh the yellow energy and he becomes the yellow lantern and the power the power pyramids land on to mogo and they start pen, you know Salikos, they try to, you know, they're penetrating his crust. There's no way he can survive this, you know, without being changed. And as the battle continues, Guy gets hit by by the green power power stream, and of course that ends his Christmas lantern routine. Now he's pretty much just a green lantern because he's got two green rings now. Come along. Yeah. <laughs> no more Christmas lantern. <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty cool. And then, of course, and I, I like the way this is, you know, the way this is colored. You have enough, pretty much, in almost every color of the emotional spectrum, this little, you know, word balloon. And it basically, it's, Mo, it's Mogo, you know, now saying, you know, the light, the will, the fear, the rage, it's mine to control, to destroy, and pretty much all the all the power stabs of the Red Lanterns pretty much, are, you know, shatter. And... Guy, you know, guy kind of helps them along the way, but pretty much what happens now is Mogo is basically is able to, he has been transformed and he basically has taken control of, you know, all the different energy, emotional energies, and he can pretty much use them at will, which also means he could trans, technically transform and, you know, ring bearers into any other lance, any color that he wants them to be. All the lightsmiths kind of run, you know, they flee for now, even though even Arisia points out, you know, they're going to be back. They won't give up without trying, you know, kind of like all we bought is a, is time. And now, of course, it's a perfect segue to Chad's favorite part of the book, mm. the fi- the hopefully final <laughs> John Stewart flashback that we're going to get. At least it's at the end. Uh, just about uh, just about John Stewart returning from his tour of duty and everything else, and kind of just like uh. I guess the whole point of this is how nothing's going to be the same after everything he went through, you know, in Afghanistan, and he's come home now, and, you know, and it doesn't really matter, because, well, I mean, it matters, but it, to him, he just knows that, you know, his life's never going to be the same based on what he experienced, and so that case t- ties into here now, because maybe Mogo and where they are lost in the universe, Mogo's power set being changed, you know, things are just not going to be the same. As as Salak kind of says, yes, Mogo has been fundamentally altered. He's kind of basically become a kind of an emotional converter. He can access and control all the different energies. Which is interesting because now we see all these lanterns that have been transformed again into different colors. Kind of like having a, a conversation. It's like, do you feel different? It's like, and they, you know, they pretty much all are different. They feel, it's not just a change of color. Literally, they they. They are more in sync with that, the emotion and the, the color and the corresponding emotion they've been changed to. Uh, 
Guy kind of says, hey, Kilowog, you know, I'm sure we can now, <laughs> considering everything that's happened and where we are and everything Mogo's got going now, I'm sure we can rustle up another Green Lantern ring. And Kilowog goes, I kind of like this staff thing. Let's let's keep it for a while. And Salak kind of you know, says, hey, I think we may have, uh, thanks to Relic's, you know, sensors, I think I'm out, I might have located, you know, a fissure in time. Maybe, maybe that'll help us get home. And John, you know, John and the Lanterns fly off to it, and basically it's the source wall. And there's this light shining through a crack or fissure in the source wall. And if you listen to our last episode, you know we kind of talked about this in passing. That, you know, John kind of, for some reason, he's able to peer through the hole in the source wall. And he sees a figure on the other side, which turns out to be Hal. It's interesting because Hal is pointing his, his gauntless hand out, even though it doesn't necessarily mean that he's the one who's really doing it. Uh, I guess it implies that he's sealing, the, sealing it, but it's not really green energy that's coming off of him. But all the pieces of the source, he's, John sees pieces of the source wall going, flying towards the fissure, and it seals up. And that's when, you know, John goes, Hal, you son of a bitch. And, of course, ha- God, uh, John does not reveal to the other lanterns exactly what he saw. He just kind of says, oh, you know, this rift thing is a bust. You know, it kind of, like, f- f- filled up on, on its own. So now we just got to, you know, we just got to figure out another way to uh, find our way home. Uh Relic, Relic ship is down Mogo at this point, and, you know, Relic's all excited because, you know, Lanterns have promised to take him to, you know, the, uh, the, the emotional wellspring, and Kroner goes, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I want to talk to you about. It's like, you know, <laughs> these Lanterns have no intention of saving this universe, but I might be able to devise a way in which we might just be able to do that. To be continued in Green Lantern Corps, Edge of Oblivion. The end. For now. The flashback sequences served no purpose. Here we are, guys. It's the end of the end of the six issue run. They had no purpose, nothing. They just were there to highlight the emotional tension of the current happenings within that particular issue. Basically, served as restating what had already been stated in a previous storyline to show that. John Stewart has been through this before. Kind of. Not really, but we can also give you some John Stewart history while we're at it. As much as I like history on characters and establishing stuff, because John Stewart is probably one of the few lanterns who actually has been fully developed, uh, and, and stably so, this is this is I've said it before, it was utterly useless. And it just proved itself here in this storyline. Completely useless. Yeah. Uh, at least this one wasn't quite as intrusive, and it was re- it was right towards the end. But and maybe and maybe to be fair, maybe at this point, it w- in this final issue, it would since once we got to this point, assuming you know this issue was you know was he that Cullen Bunn had a chance to actually do some things on this issue before you know he had had a heads up at this point that this was going to be the last issue before he actually turned it in. That maybe there wasn't any point in adding more to the story at this. point right now because he knew it was ending and he wasn't going to be able to work on it anymore anyway. So maybe there was no... I don't know. But uh, stuff we touched upon, even though it's not quite the way you made it sound the last time when we recorded, Relic really doesn't make any real shift towards the dark side at all. It's it's the only real reveal is... The only quote uh, turn, if you will, of just Krona kind of reveals what we kind of have suspected for a while, that he does kind of know more one way or the other about what's going on here than he's, than he's let on. 
So that which kind of will lead Relic, we assume, to being the, down the path to become the Relic we know. But at the moment, Relic. Is yeah, there. that's what I. That's what I. That's what I meant. I know it's that. Like, I know that's what you meant. But you guys really made it sound like he kind of made a a noticeable shift, and really there's not absolutely nothing in this issue that that he in his behavior that is any different than how he's behaved in this entire series. It's just that we're kind of, it's just we're extrapolating and connecting the dots and we assume things to, again, but it still kind of goes back to the same point like that I raise anyway, even if it's Krona who helps make Relic more of a dick because of the fact that, you know, by bursting the bubble that he had, either way, it's, I still like the concept that whether it's, even if it's never proven 100% because we'll never know, uh, you know, this is this is maybe we will know by the end whether this is a loop and this is supposedly the way things had always happened for Relic in his universe. But I just like the idea that again, you know, the influence of of the Lanterns and Krona now, even if they being thrown into Relic's time, have kind of like helped make Relic the you know the <laughs> the interesting but still a hole that he is today. <laughs> it was okay. I I don't know. I don't know about the whole Mogo thing. Short term, it's an interesting concept. Uh, it's also interesting that uh, now the patent, mind you, the power may only be in Mogo for because the, the pyramids are still on the planet. The pyramids are still on the surface. So maybe if it's, for some reason, if the pyramids are able to get off the surface of Mogo, then maybe he'll lose control of the emotional spectrum. Who knows? But uh, it so was DC a, DC collectibles. Can I have a Turret action figure now? I love that character. I've always liked the way that character looks. Yeah, because he kind of like he has a doomsday look about him. I kind of yeah, like that too. Yeah, he's cool looking. He is cool looking. That's one of the uh, things. That, one of the things I miss about you know the Green Lantern franchise going you know, sliding backwards is the fact that they've they've stopped rolling out action figures really. Because <laughs> there are a lot of cool characters and different incarnations of characters that we've never seen yet. So. Uh, what about Simon Baz? Anything you want to say about Simon? Yeah, I guess he served. A, I guess he serves a purpose, and I'm and based on solicits and everything else, he's probably going to play a bigger role in uh, in Edge of Oblivion. Whether he would have played a huge, a big, you know, I guess based on where they ended this, you would have to assume even if Bun continued his version of of the story, that Simon would have been more of a factor. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of cool to see that he was, you know, basically, you know, leading the resistance, if you will, that he kind of was taking charge of defending the central power battery, which still continues to be drawn horribly. Yep. Um, but at this point, you just give us the central pyramid. At least that's easier to draw. <laughs> True. The art, overall, the art was pretty, there were some cool scenes, you know, the, the battle with the, you know, the battle with the lightsmiths was pretty cool. Krona continues to look pretty cool. So I think the art's pretty good, and for the most part, I like the colors in in this book. Uh, I guess we we kind of knew going in we weren't going to really get any kind of real resolution to this, so it kind of ended at a point where, I guess, in the best possible point for a story that you were never going to get resolution to. But I still think it's a kind of a step up a little. I think it's kind of I think it was a step up. I think from from last issue. Yeah. That's about. How about you? Any real thoughts on it? Not really. I, I'm, uh, the only thing I'm anxious to see um, is two. One, if if this makes all the other lightsmiths um, join forces again to like they they now have a common enemy because all their power pyramids are on Mogo, so they all join forces to combat the issue. 
So does that change the ending of the universe, uh, you know, right. in, in any way? Because the last time we saw this universe end, they were all at each other's throats up until the very end, you know, including the very end. Right. So now that they have a common enemy and they're all joining, will they all join forces and will that have any effect? Uh, uh, well, I guess three points. Uh, so the other point is how does this affect Mogo mentally? Because they say it changes him, yes, and it changes his power, and Mogo transports them to the source wall and, you know, drives all the lightsmiths off his crust, but has it changed Mogo emotionally? As it, you know, is, is he still 100% on the side of the Green Lanterns, or, right. you know, or is he got a wild card in his pocket now? Or will it become a wild card as time goes on, time yes. goes by, whether it's something that's going to, you know, start eating away at him and kind of corrupting him, or just changing his, no, por- no pun intended, his worldview on things once, uh, he has all these different emotions in him. Yeah, and how about these other lanterns that have felt the effects? Like Stell is a red lantern, uh, Tyriot is a, uh, a yellow, um, 2-6 is a blue, another lantern is a blue, you can see her with the right, white hair yeah. right there. Yep. Uh, and uh, what's that snake's name? Remember the one that had all the different venoms from oh, earlier on? Oh, yes, 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 I don't, oh. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he's a yellow lantern, or maybe orange, and it's just miscolored. He's orange. Well, somebody's an orange, so if he's not, somebody was is an orange. Uh, let me let me let me flip to that page again, because I was just looking at that. That's what that's that's what struck me that some that somebody was an orange. Um, yeah, I think if he, if, if is he the one standing next to Stell? Then, yes. then he's orange. Then I think he's supposed to be orange, which is interesting because their symbols still stayed the same. Yeah, they're all still Green Lantern symbols. symbols. They're just yeah, they're just different colors, different color uniforms and different color rings, and apparently feel you know the feel that the different color, if you will, of the spectrum. Yeah, and we talked about it. You know, Hal was no, no nowhere near the. Well, I mean, he was near, but he wasn't. You know, he wasn't the one sealing up the wall. He, he as a matter of fact, he had nothing to do with sealing up the wall. Like he didn't. His right. power did not accomplish that end. So I don't, you know, it's kind of a lack of consistency there. Unless what they're going to try to do is, um, um, and maybe they will get an explanation, we will, we will get an explanation for this. That maybe that's just based on the whole difference in time, you know, time, space and everything else. That was the way John perceived it from that side. Kind of, kind of when all those pieces, all those pieces before the black, before black hand got sucked into the wall to seal it completely, when all those pieces were gravitating and being pulled back in. Maybe that's what, you know, maybe that was his interpretation of what was going on when all the pieces were flowing towards the wall and maybe all else, all he could see on the other side was just Hal. And maybe he just assumed that it was Hal who was sealing up the wall when it, when it wasn't. But like it could be like we talked about before too, maybe this is not entirely the same event that we're seeing. We think it is, but maybe it's not. Maybe there's something that else that's going to happen that, but I guess we'll know soon enough. <coughs> For sure. Uh, anything else you want to say about this particular issue before we move on? No, um, other than I, I am interested in Edge of Oblivion, and hopefully not only will it, pick, you know, not only will we get a resolution to this, which we know at some point we will, hopefully we'll get a good, good enough answers about, you know, we will get the answers that, that we, that weren't touched upon to the, you know, for certain questions in this arc about, you know, who put them there. Who put them there? Why, why did they get put there? Even though maybe depending on who put them there, that might be you know self-explanatory. What's the deal with Krona? Which Krona is this? 
you know, and then how is the, what is the influence of all the events going on here going to do to Relic? You know, how much, do, how much does that form Relic into who he is? Even if Relic may not be consciously aware that it did, you know, so those are things, those are questions that I'm interested in and hopefully, you know, in those six issues that are going to start in January, hopefully we'll start getting some of these answers. All right, Justice League, The Dark Side War, Green Lantern number one. Uh, this is a creative team joint by, let me get to that page, because I am slow. Well, it's not like it's right in the front of the book. Yeah. Uh, this is a story written by Tom King, art by Doc Shaner, colors by Chris Sotomayor, letters by Tom Napolitano. Yeah, Napolitano, probably. Covered by Francis Manipal. Hell yeah, I knew I recognized that art somewhere. Assistant editor Amadeo Turturro and group editor uh, Brian Cunningham with a nice little shout out in The New Gods created by Jack Kirby. Okay, so Justice League, The Dark Side Not War. Now before we get into this, um, this is a expansion of the storyline currently going on in the Justice League title. Uh, not Justice League America of America, not Justice League International or whatever the hell other jail titles are going on right now, because I honestly don't know which ones are coming out, um, but just Justice League. Uh, this is a story uh, involving uh, uh, Metron, the Anti-Monitor, Darkseid, um, uh, Darkseid's daughter, um, the Black Racer, so the the New God's death, you know, the Black Flash thing. Um all of this, basically, Darkseid in this storyline has died. Uh, he has been killed. And now various others are gaining the powers of gods. Um, unfortunately, although I have read those issues up until this point, I didn't reread all of those issues uh, so I could fully refresh myself on that storyline. So I can't give you any specific details. Like, there are several other issues like this one, for instance, there is a Flash issue, there is a Wonder Woman issue. Flash, uh, uh, Barry takes on the power of the Black Racer and becomes Death. Uh, you know, uh, Batman has become Metron, basically. Uh, he has all those powers, and it's, it's, a, it's a whole thing. Uh, the, the next installment in that Justice League title, as of right now, has not yet released. So we are still getting these sort of one-shots. Uh, for instance, I think... As we record this, yesterday the Lex Luthor uh, Dark Side War one-shot special came out. Um, so this is these are hyper-focused stories focusing in on what is happening to each of these leaguers during the storyline. Okay, so and and this this little narrative box here uh, encapsulates this. In the wake of Dark Side's death, several members of the Justice League have gained the power of gods, but at what price to their, to their humanity? The great army of Darkseid has flocked to the most powerful force in the universe, the central power battery of the Green Lantern Corps. Hal Jordan can only save his allies and friends by joining the other members of the League and obtaining the power of a god. And we see a mother box floating in space saying, will you be my god? Um, and I ask again, Green Lantern, John Stewart, will you be my god? This whole time, John Stewart is one of the last lanterns remaining on the face of the planet Oa. Uh, not necessarily one of the last lanterns, but one of the last lanterns who have their own mind, which we'll get to in a second. And he is using the last of his will, of his power, as he's dying, to transmit the story of what has been happening on the surface of Oa to Hal. 
basically, after Darkseid died, all the parademons flocked to Oa, uh, to this, you know, power seeks out power. Um, so each of the uh, lanterns uh, and, and various people were brought before the mother box, one of their machines, as John Stewart calls them, um, and asks each of them to be its god. Uh, and they all refuse because they're all lanterns till the end. And everybody who refused, and this is where I get to the point where uh, lanterns are still all around him, but John's the only remaining lantern. Uh, the all these other lanterns were converted into parademons. We see. I'm guessing that's um, Tomar two, not Tomar Ray. Tomar yeah. two. Yes, that uh, would be correct. And then we see a, a guardian. There's several times that we see various, uh, like uh, towards the beginning, you see green. Uh, when John Stewart's on the ground, you see behind him that's Green Lantern Metaphil right there, and that looks like uh, what's the Rock Lantern Hanu? Yes, uh, right there in the background. Um, and they were all all the other lanterns that said no were converted into parademons. Now we cut back uh, back in time or forward in time, uh, depending on uh, the way you see things once you get to the end of this issue. Uh, and little Hal Jordan is in a church. This is. Um, this has got to be a couple of days to a week or two after uh, Martin Jordan's plane crashed. Uh, and he is in the church uh, uh, attempting to light a candle for his father because his mother uh, said that uh, dad was a Catholic um, and his mother is Jewish. So he's talking to this, 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 uh, this guy who's kneeling at the altar in front of the candles as well, who's in a bomber jacket. So hint number one. Um, and he's talking about how basically he's mad at God because God didn't save his father. Uh, although we'll sort of get into that a little bit later. Now we cut back to what's happening on the planet's surface, the planet of Oa. He is, uh, uh Hal is attacked by Kilowog, Parademon Kilowog, uh, and he knocks him out. And he is asking, uh, his ring, he's communicating with his ring during all of this, you know, scan for life signs on the planet. You know, there are 1,102,330, 437 conscious life forms on Oa. And he's like, well, how many of these life forms are not parademons? One, Green Lantern, Hal Jordan of Sector 2814. <laughs> right. <laughs> so then he uh, he's kind of assessing the situation. Uh, he says, you know, he says, uh, why don't you give me a rundown on basically what 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 do you know about the mother box? And it says, uh, and I'm doing I'm doing a lot of reading here, but it's kind of important to the story. Um, mother boxes are the only objects in the world that can access the energy of the source. From this access, mother boxes contain omni knowledge, allowing them to understand anything and everything. In addition, mother boxes have demonstrated the powers of telepathy, teleportation, energy manipulation, and energy transference. Of note, mother boxes appear to tie themselves to certain users. They are then loyal to these users and houses like a ring. Um, so he's kind of asking it, you know, if it seeks out a, a, a bearer, for lack of a better term, what happens after its bearer, its user dies? Does it seek out a similar being uh, like the way Abin Sur found, Abin Sur's ring found me? And he says, uh, you know, the, the, he says the, the mother box senses the central power battery and went to it. It used, used the demons to fight the lantern so it could get to the battery. It merged with the battery, hoping to find it what it lost. 
It combines the infinite power of the battery with its own infinite knowledge becoming something else. But the battery is not conscious. It's a pure, unshaped will. The mother box still needs a new user, a new master, a new god. Now we come back to the church, and little Hal Jordan is pretty pissed off at God. And he grabs the candle that he's lit and chunks it off. He says, it's, it's all just a stupid lie. He let him die. He just stood up there and let him die. My dad should be alive. You said he, he, he cut him to the sky, and so God just did what? Did what? God watched, watched him die. He was just like me. He was just watching him burn. And then we cut back to the surface of Oa, and Hal is taking on parademons one by one and has the ring running down a, 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 a running tally of every uh, of the remaining life forms on the planet. And it says, you know, your, your rate of success is pretty low. He says, just shut up and count it out. Uh, he's taking on more and more parademons. There's pings happening everywhere. He's suddenly overwhelmed by parademons. We cut back to the church, and he says, you know, Hal's talk, uh, or uh, little Hal is talking to this man, and this guy's kind of trying to comfort him, saying, you know, it's God's got no choice but to watch. He's got to have that moment over and over. That's forever part of him. He couldn't stop that. That he had to. That that he had to let it happen. But that's that you see. That's what makes him different from me or you. Everything he does, it's all necessary. It has to be. He has to be who he is. He has to do what he does, but not us. See, God, a God doesn't have something we have. Um, it's our, it's will. It's our own will. The free will he gave us. Uh, he says, you know, he says, this, 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 this is your world to create. You get to choose. God gets to watch. Bet you think we go to, into church to worship God. Well, the truth of it is God comes to church in, to war- worship us. <laughs> Throwing some theological balls out there, huh, guys? Uh, <laughs> and he says, uh, see, pal, I've been up all the way up. I've seen them stars right up close, and you know what they look like to me? Just a bunch of candles. Just light, light in the dark, moving around like it's looking for something. And he hands this candle back to this kid, and we see that this man in the bomber jacket is wearing a Green Lantern wing. So it's obviously Hal. And the mother box back on Oa is saying, will you be my god? And Hal's like... Um, you want a god? My name is Hal Jordan. My father cut the sky open. And then the mother box disassembles and merges with his ring, and his ring and the mother box become one. He um, says, uh, you know, we are light. We are the light. No, we are the god of light. Um, and Hal has a new costume, a new, he's got this new god look to him. It's, it's a pretty cool looking costume, actually. Um, and he says, Mother Ring, in my current state, can I return things to how they were prior to your attack? Or restore the core, return the paradigm is sent back to Apocalypse. Yeah, all you gotta do is say the word. So, he does, he turns everything back, I can make everything right. Uh, I control the stars, you're no longer bound by time and space, you are light, you are everywhere. He says, and then he starts noticing the stars, and he's like, you know, they're like candles, and he kind of remembers this thing. So he goes back in time, puts a bomber jacket on, and shows up in church. And he says, what did I say? What what do I say? I don't, I don't know what I did. And he says, uh, you know, he, he basically, he comes right back in on the time and kind of re-experiences all of this and the stuff he said as Hal Jordan uh, at that time. And... He, with the power, with now currently possessing the power of a god, 
says, you know, he was listening to himself say, this is your world. You, you, uh, this is your world to create, pal. You get to choose. God gets to watch. Uh, and he, and he says to the mother ring, mother box, mother ring, can you destroy yourself? Make, make me bring me home. He says, just say the word, Hal Jordan. And he says, ping. And everything is back, um, to the way it was. All the lanterns are back. No demons, no gods. Uh, and he says, I, I, I could have done it, I should have done it, I should have made a better world, but not me, nope, I couldn't do it, I tried, why, why not me? And the ring says, gods do not have will, you Green Lantern 2814.1 were not willing to give that up. He says, yeah, yeah, okay, set a course back to Earth to Gotham. He says, what I could see, I saw what Batman was going to do with that Mobius chair, and I can't let him do it, no one deserves that much pain. And he uh, starts flying back real fast to Earth and says, let's see if we can't cut that pretty sky wide open. And that ends that. I will say before we get into it, this issue had people all over the Internet abuzz who are Green Lantern fans. Uh, I don't I don't know how you personally felt of it, Mark. Obviously, we'll get into that. But people all over Twitter, for sure, were talking about it uh, and were really excited about it, wanting Tom King to get his own Lantern title. Uh, all kinds of things, and the artist too. I don't. How did you feel about it? I like the story. I'm not sure if I like the art as much. It's a different style of art. Uh, it, it, am I right in saying it feels sort of like a new frontier? A, yes, yes. yes. A, a, Cook. More, a more yeah. realistic new frontier, like a you know, like a a modern style, a modern hyper realistic style, sort of merged with the New Frontier look. Because yes. New, New Frontier was really cartoony. Yes. So. So, I again, for this for this issue, for a one-shot, it works great. I'm not sure from an art point of view, I'm not sure if I would like this style on an, as, a, as a monthly. I like the story. Uh, one thing that happened, I mean, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't mention, uh, that when, you know, the, when the ring and the mother box are merging and everything, and that you know we are sight, we are light, all that stuff. They have that moment when Batman and Hal are kind of communicating together. Yeah. Which kind of ties into the end because it ties into that's the moment when Hal realizes realizes what ba- what Bruce is going to do because ba- Bruce is talking to to him, go- going like, "Now you understand, Jordan, just as I understood when I took the chair. Now, Jordan, now you see what we have to do." And obviously, Hal disagrees which is kind of an and the thing that's really cool about this and maybe it's not surprising since john's has so much to do with you know the dark side war that it's really awesome juxtaposition because now we have we have uh batman kind of in a parallax like position with that much power to do what he wants to do and and set things and set set things right the way he thinks they should be you know, create a world in a way that he wants it to be and then you have now hal jordan on the other side saying well i gotta stop him even if I'm stopping him for his own good, I have to stop him. You know, because even if I have to stop him, because eventually he's going to re- realize what he did is a mistake, and he's going to have to live with it. Either way, the, they're, now they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. Haha. <laughs> Insert joke here about the fact that uh, that you know that Batman's the omnipotent one and Hal's not, but Hal kind of, but and, and the fact that Hal had that power and Hal gave it up, whether you know Hal yeah. was more willing to give it up because of. Again, because of the, his experience with being omnipotent before, and maybe there's that part of him that, you know, it gnaws at him where, you know, he doesn't trust himself to have this power long term or to, to, to let it go beyond a certain point that he's afraid that, you know, that 
the experience of of, paral of being parallax and even having the power of the specter all, even though he doesn't remember much about that time, but the I, the concept that maybe that influences him even subconsciously about not wanting it. But now I, I like the issue and I, I like the stuff you know with him dealing with his younger self and uh, having the power. I like it's pretty cool and more of the essence. And again, in a way, you can contrast that directly with the Emerald Twilight concept where you have, this is Hal having the power of a god truly, and this is all Hal does with it. This is what a rational Hal Jordan does with it. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's, it's almost twofold because we all know, I've said it a billion times how much I like the power of Ion story. So this is like Hal Jordan's power of Ion, but you, you kind of got the fake out because Hal Jordan has that history of parallax. And then especially that one panel where he says, right, everything Everything is right. And then he says, I can make everything right. Yep. Hal Jordan with the power of God saying that sentence <laughs> is very, very much a fake out. Like, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. For sure. And, and then Hal fixes everything and gives it up. Like. Quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so and this, this brings up an interesting question because I don't know if we've ever asked this. Hal Jordan as Parallax. Let's say he did fix Coast City and made it so that ne that never happened. Do you think Hal Jordan Parallax, regardless of whether you want to take the fear bug approach to it or just Hal Jordan got mad with grief kind of a thing uh, to it, whichever way you want to uh, uh, you know attribute his reasoning for becoming Parallax, do you think Hal Jordan as Parallax would have freely given up the power like this if he set out to do what he wanted to do originally. Yeah, in Zero Hour, he wanted to fix everything. But his original goal was to fix Coast City. Yeah. So had, had he accomplished that goal, do you think he would have given up and been done with it, maybe even turned himself in? Uh, I I doubt it for multiple reasons. Like, like you said, originally he did want to just bring back Coast City and th in a way, think, typical Guy Gardner, thanks to Guy, <laughs> inadvertently, Guy's the one who helped make Hal realize that he was thinking too small about setting things right. But it's the idea, but but probably, I would say probably not, not necessarily because of the drunk with power concept, but don't forget, Hal is, is consciously aware that there are no there are no guardians anymore. So it kind of goes back to, in a way it goes back to, I would say no, based on the, Going back to Zero Hour, I think it's in that final issue, Zero Hour Zero, when he talks about how you know the, how the universe like needs like an, the universe like needs a new guardian. It needs me. So I so I think Hal would probably be reluctant to give it up because he would still feel like the universe would need someone like him to be able to protect it, which of course is an interesting concept. We'll be deli we'll be going back into when we, we talk about Green Lantern Forty Seven, <laughs> uh, but. But again, you could make, you could chalk that up again if you chalk, if you chalk it up to the influence. Now the way we know what really was going on in Parallax, that it's easy to see why he wouldn't give it up, and/or why he couldn't give it up even if he wanted to, why he wouldn't be allowed to give it up. But if you, but if we say in a world in which there was no fear bug, you know that there was never that retcon. I don't know. I think it would have been. I think it would have been hard. It would have been hard pressed, but it's there's but there's a possibility because it goes back to Green Lantern Zero too when he's cr when he's trying to recharge and he can't and, he, and he's explaining to Kyle and he starts crying that you know if I can't fix if I can't fix everything if I can't fix this you know then I'm going to be one of the bad guys 
and that's when Hal breaks down. So, so maybe ultimately, who knows? I don't know. Maybe, maybe if he had brought Coast City back, maybe he would have been willing to take his, you know, take his penance then. But I'm not sure. But it's an interesting concept. Yeah. Um, I mean, I liked it. The art was really cool. There was there was a couple of weird looking moments, but I don't think there was any particular moment that I thought the art looked weird in such that it was a mistake. Just more of a stylistic right. choice. I think Hal's body looks kind of weird once he's in his uniform. It, I don't know. It's, but again, that's it, it's a consistent thing. He looks that way throughout the comic, so it's not like an issue where his chest was drawn too wide in a certain spot. That's just this artist's style. Right. Um, it is kind of Billy Tan-like, the way he draws, body type-wise, the way he tends to draw Hal. Much more yeah. slight. I do, I, I do like it, though. Uh, the colors especially, uh, I, I seem to notice a lot of colors now that I've been reading uh, comics uh, on my uh, Surface a lot just because of the backlight and everything, so it really, they really pop. But, uh, you know, the, just I, I would say these colors are, um, would you say muted in a way? Yes, they definitely are. They're, it's kind of like a pastel-like approach that they're not. They're not super. Not, not not bright pastels like they were towards the the new the end of the new Guardians run. No no but, no, it, it, it's it's subtle. It's they're not crisp. They're not crisp. They are kind of downplayed. So, yeah. So that's I, cool. Yeah, and I li- and I kind of like the Mother Box Green Lantern ring. That kind of looks yeah, pretty cool. That does look that, that looks pretty interesting. Uh, I wouldn't mind a, 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 a you know, I, I I do like this. Um, I don't think I reacted to it the same way the rest of the internet seemed to. Um, but I will say that it's a it's an interesting one shot. It's an interesting character piece. It's an interesting breath of fresh air from what we currently have going on. Uh, yes, I know it ties into the larger story of Dark Side War, but I don't know. Maybe I feel like maybe this is one of those ones that you could read without having read Dark Side War and still enjoy it. I think so too because I haven't really read much of the Dark Side War, so I think I w- I think I was able to. I was able to enjoy it, and I and I like in a way the the you know the the rationale of why Hal was able to accept the you know the mother box as opposed to everybody else because about the idea that even though this is kind of goes against everything that, that they're they're taught, and that you know that Hal kind of just notes to him denotes that you know I was never one to be cautious, <laughs> you know that Hal's always kind of flying by the seat of his pants and not following the rules, so it makes sense that that Hal's we. How would be willing to roll the dice when all the other many, when almost all the other lanterns would be so compl- would be kind of indoctrinated to to the belief that you know this is this is wrong it goes against what we are while How would be more willing to say well I'm willing to roll the dice because what you know what the hell <laughs> yeah so I think that works all right uh, do you want to take on Sinestro willingly Sinestro number seventeen the the coming of the paling. Or at least that's the title on the cover. The Pale Legion is the is the title in the in the actual issue. Cullen Bunn is the writer. We have artists up the wazoo in this issue, and it kind of I think throws the issue off. But uh, Brad Walker, Neil Edwards, Simon Kudransky, is, and they were the artists. Drew Hennessy does the inks. Actually, there's multiple inkers too. Drew Hennessy and Trevor Scott and Kudransky. Again, uh, he does some of the inking too. Jason writes the colorer. Dave Sharp's the letterer. Um, so we pick up where we left off. 
Actually, before before we, before we get to that, because this kind of bookends the end, uh, we basically have some narration, which is from Sinestro about you know how how the Earth pretty much is a world consumed by fear, and it kind of that it kind of has magnified. It has you know it hasn't always been as bad as it is now, and you just have you see different characters kind of as he talks about fear, kind of either you know the reacting to it in different ways. You have Scarecrow, you have Deathstroke, you have uh, Harley Quinn, and you have Wonder Woman. Uh, then we then and Sinestro is still doing this narration and he kind of is talking about how there you know that you know there's always been fright but it's never been as dominant as it is now and then this leads directly into picking up with the resurrected pale bishop who as we found out last issue Sinestro is convinced is a guardian of the universe and no we do not find out who he is in this issue uh, I don't think we we're even really getting any hints because I was really thinking apart every word he said. And I didn't really get a. I mean, it could possibly be a hint, but I didn't. But off the top of my head, I did not. Something did not jump out at me either. But yeah. if but if we were hoping to get resolu- get the big reveal in this issue of who this guardian is, no, we don't. Uh, Black Adam and Sinestro, you know, continue to, to fight him uh, in a way. Sinestro kind of like uh, taunts and subtly being playing head games the way Sinestro does. Talks about hey, you know, Black Adam or. Being even friendlier, Teth Adam. It's like, uh, I guess you really—he's not as thoroughly vanquished as you thought. Because, <laughs> well, I'll—it's I'll, a minor oversight which I intend to correct. And he flies off and he smashes into the uh, the pale bishop, who who starts crumbling down back towards Earth. And of course, all his little Malthusian, you know, bandages start coming off. But as the, the pale bishop falls to Earth, he basically starts reforming. And I like this—you know—the pale bishop, you know. He's you gotta love the fact that it does kind of fall into guardian mode because he definitely seems completely unhinged. <laughs> like the truth of anti-emotion cannot be destroyed by rage. The vestments of heresy will not save you. Divest yourself of inequity. I like his cape. Yeah. Yeah. So when the pale bishop reforms now, he's kind of got that in a way the cloak and cape that we've seen. You know the 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 uh, what should we call it? The pale the what were they that the the inquis what the hell were they called? The, they weren't oh, the Inquisitors. They were the uh, the Paling. Yeah, but they, there was a certain name. I thought besides he was the Pale Bishop, but Inquisitor. Pale Vickers, right? When they, yeah, they were yeah, the Pale they, Vickers. There you go. Uh, so you know, obviously, yeah, talk, uh, Captain Obvious uh, Black Adam goes, uh, "Hey, he's got he's changed. <laughs> he's gotten more powerful. He did now that I don't I don't remember him having the ability to heal." It's like no matter I'll you know I'll just this time I'll leave nothing but you know but Ash and Sinestro kind of warns him it's like you better be careful because you know the the anti-emotional energy that you know the pale bishop is putting out I might not really hurt you physically but it could really screw you up potentially psychologically emotionally blah 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 Black Adam doesn't really pay attention he gets zapped and he gets basically starts seeing seeing an starts seeing a nightmare basically of a, of being judged by all the gods uh, and his in, you know his inability to defend and protect his people and you know you know this is all you know this is you know your fault and pretty much in all these head games that uh, what's going on the pale bishop basically is trying to psych out Black Adam into saying Shazam so he will lose his so basically he will lose his power uh, and at that point if he lost his power then pretty much he's going to be dead. Uh, we cut. We cut to. Uh, I'm assuming they're on ranks, right? No, no, it's War World. 
Boar World, but Boar World, but Boar World and Ranks mixed. They didn't they didn't they yeah. merge? But either way, uh, let's just say War World. Uh, so Sornik is continuing, you know, her I guess her studies on the victims of of the paling, and our little uh our little gray alien knack shows up. Apologizing for being late, and of course Sora kind of rips into her a little, going, "Hey, you're my partner. I need you here." And it's like, I, and tying back into, I'm sure, what Nax's other assignment is, which sadly is, is it's alluded to, I believe, the, the Saint Walker experiments to, about him and his the connection to his blue ring, because she starts going, "But Sinestro," and I was, Sora's like, "I don't care what you you know what you're doing for my father in the science division. It's like you're you're just going to have to." And at that moment, uh. All the victims of the paling that that are on, you know, the operating tables or the examination tables, really, uh, start spouting and spewing out basically anti-emotional energy, like the pale bishop was using. Emotional countermeasures detected, and at this point, you know, uh, Sora is unable to to do any more scanning, and at this point, you know, there's a, a, a an intruder has been detected, and we find out quickly that the intruder is actually Wonder Woman. I'm not really digging that costume. Yeah. Uh, so basically, the Sinestro Corps, yeah, you know, it's, it's like the, the the alert was just barely sent from ranks, and, and of course, you know, the, the Sinestro Corps is leaping into action to find that out, and Sinestro is still doing the narration. It's like whatever threat has presented itself, you know, the Sinestro Corps must attend to it without me. I am preoccupied with any. He's preoccupied with trying basically to save Black Adam because, you know, Black Adam's getting really, really close to saying Shazam. And, of course, <laughs> I like this. Sinestro kind of, like, puts, like, a muzzle on him. He goes, resist. You know, it's like, you, you, you know, you can you can do this. You can resist it because I have. And he basically uh, ends up, he puts a yellow ring on on Black Hand, on Black, Hand, uh, on Black Adam. So Black Adam becomes a member of the Sinestro Corps. Supposedly this helps work because of the fact that Earlier, we had learned the paling can only zero in on one emotion at a time, and basically, they were f- supposedly the pale bishop was focusing in on rage, the rage that was inside of Black Adam. So when S- Sinestro puts the ring on his figure, finger, fear basically becomes the dominant emotion, and now the uh, the pale bishop kind of is not as powerful, and he loses his hold over him. Uh, the pale bishop kind of takes off right now. I kind of like the fact that during the battle, he's kind of like being more and more fleshed out. Yeah. Like his flesh, he's he's healing more and more as time goes on. He's not just like a skeleton anymore. He's, he's starting to de- to get blue flesh over him. So I'm sure. So it's probably, I'm sure that they are building to the reveal of you know of who he actually is uh, in the next few issues. Pale Bishop takes off. Sinestro and Black Adam kind of, you know, they talk about the fact that plotting strategy and they ended. <laughs> And Black Adam's like, let's go kill him. That sounds good. They fly off and they fly off into space. You see, uh, what's his name? I always forget his name. Which do you remember? Which Sinestro guy this is? Is that that's uh, not Kale, is it? Raijin Kale. Is that Raijin Kale? I don't know. Either way, let's say it's let's say it's Raijin Kale for the hell of it. Uh, it might be right actually. He's floating in space. Uh, they they find he's still you know he's still alive and everything because he's got the force field around him, but. <laughs> Black Adam again being Captain Obvious. Well, wasn't that one of your lanterns? I was like, yes, it would appear they've encountered a formidable enemy. And that's when they kind of reveal, figure out that they were fighting Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman's kind of like really pissed. It's like she's demanding an you know, a explanation. Why is this battle station orbiting Earth? You know, Becca and Wonder, Wonder Woman are squaring off. 
when Sinestro orders her to stand down, and you know, Sinestro's trying to be suave here, and it's like, oh, this is just a misunderstanding, and I kind of like the fact that it's like, uh, because she, the way he snaps his he snaps his fingers in front of Wonder Woman, and she kind of makes the point: you do it again, and you're gonna lose you're gonna lose them all. But obviously, Black Adam kind of enjoyed that joke. And uh, Sinestro refocuses and goes, you know, you might have real, you know, you know, you don't understand, you know, the dynamics have changed. The Green Lanterns are gone, so you know, we're basically, you know, we're protecting the universe now, including Earth from all threats. And you know, I so so it's explaining you know, the whole thing about the Pale Bishop and the, you know, and the paling, and you know, and I feel bad because once again in, in this whole mess, our killer gets his ass kicked again. Basically, Wonder Woman had had him encased and wrapped you know, in the lasso of truth. I feel, poor Arkillo. Uh, and so we kind of, as this issue ends, as you know, they're all having their conversation. When Sinestro kind of makes it sound like uh, Black Adam and I were going to go track down, you know, these this threat and eliminate it. And we see, you know, once again, we, we we get Scarecrow and Deathstroke and. Uh, Harley Quinn and Wonder Woman now basically all sensing and responding to what to what is approaching and we realize that the you know the pale bishop and the pale the paling as a whole now have arrived on earth that they basically have turned they are basically hunting uh, Adam Black Adam and Sinestro at this point so that pretty much ends the this issue of Sinestro next issue the battle for fear what do you think I think the art changing really threw the book off, but I, I didn't. Especially towards the end. Yeah, some of it looks. Yeah, some some panels. You know, Sinestro looks really bad. Uh, not maybe not just Sinestro, but Sinestro in particular. I like the issue overall. There is a kind of filler feel to it to a certain extent. It's not that much happens with the Pale Bishop, but I do like the stuff with uh, with Nax and Sora. Um. The Wonder Woman stuff didn't do much for me, but and, I, and like we both said, we don't like the costume. But I do like to, I do like how it's heading towards you know what we're going to see in the next couple of issues, which is basically uh, the Al, you know, Wonder Woman and a lot of the people on Earth having no choice in a way but to throw their lot in with Sinestro and, and the you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing. So I kind of, where they're building towards. So I kind of like that. But it was a pretty good issue. It's not it's not the strongest issue in, of Sinestro, I think, but it's certainly better than a lot of the other books we've seen over the past few months. So I like the particularly like the stuff, the background of uh, Teth. Yes, I did like that. Yeah, Black Adam. Black Adam, in general, I think has been fleshed out over the last few years a lot, and I do think that he's definitely a character that you know we don't know how like we mentioned in the. State of the Union episode. We have no idea how long this book is going to actually survive, or whether there's long term for this book to survive. Let's say past two years, or maybe borderline three. But Black Adam would definitely be a cool supporting character to have in this book on a not necessarily every issue, but on a semi regular basis because he and Sinestro do have a very unique relationship, certainly amongst the relationships Sinestro has with people. That in a way, you know, they like to portray he and Hal having been. You know, that whole BS, as far as I was concerned, that the way how, uh, you know, he and Hal Jordan were still always, you know, we were always friends. You know, that that's kind of the, the tragedy or whatever he threw out in the final issue with John's that that kind of, in a way, that part kind of seems forced in a way to me, their relationship. Uh, but the Black Adam Sinestro relationship just seems natural. And you can actually see that these two guys are, are really are 
friends, even though they're not entirely alike, but they have enough in common and enough mutual respect that they are definitely friends, and it's 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 good to see that. Yeah. Um. Just a quick note. Um. The issue of Deathstroke that came out that same month, or just like a couple weeks after. Uh, it has Harley in it, so that's a kind of a tie-in to the rest of the DC universe. I don't know what's happening. I just know that that was drawn by Tyler Kirkham, and I follow Tyler Kirkham on on uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that. And I saw some of the interior pages of that Deathstroke issue. Nice. Uh, anything else to say about Sinestro? The colors were nice. I think the colors are nice, especially especially that the, the splash page when uh, Black Adam gets his ring. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That is a pretty cool, and and the pale bishop certainly looks cool, especially as he starts becoming more fleshed out. But I even liked him when he was still, you know, in the, in his bandages. But then again, we're kind of used to that when you know they're at the Krona thing in War of the Green Lanterns. Uh, but I I do like that. So hope hopefully it'll be again it'll be a it'll be a guardian that we. We will know well by the time he gets revealed. So, but I'm looking forward to the rest of the storyline. I think it should be should be pretty cool. All right, that's, uh, that's about it. All right, we will take a break, and when we come back, it will be listener feedback. So, see you in a second. Thank you, Green Lantern. I'm not Green Lantern. I'm Booster Gold. If I were Green Lantern, my costume would be green. Now, wouldn't it? Hi, I'm the French Meltdown from Tumblr.com. My dad, FKA Jason, and his friend Roy Charlemagne Cleary have a new podcast called Silver and Gold they want you to listen to. It drops on Tuesday, December 22nd, 2015. My dad is a huge Green Lantern fan, and Roy is a huge Firestorm fan, so they teamed up to record a podcast about Captain Adam and Booster Gold. Inspired by the Fire and Water podcast, Dad and Roy are reviewing each adventure of Booster Gold and Captain Adam one issue at a time. I really want you to listen to this podcast because, honestly, my head will explode if my dad tells me Captain Adam's origin story one more time. The podcast can be found at CaptainAdamBlog.com on December 22nd, 2015. Please listen and drop them a line at CaptainAdamBlog at gmail.com. Save me from my father and the endless torment he puts me through with his constant lectures about Captain Adam. And I guess Mr. Gold is pretty cool, too. www.CaptainAdamBlog.com December 22nd, 2015. The Silver and Gold Podcast. Gee, thanks, Captain Adam. Next time, be a hero by remembering... You're not. Hi guys, I'm Dan Kursky, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Dan's Fandom. It's a show where I dive deep into anything from the world of comics, movies, anime, and video games that I find really interesting and worth talking about for an episode or two. I've done character spotlights on Batman, She-Hulk, and Korra, in-depth analysis on Man of Steel and Sword Art Online. I've taken a fair look at films like Twilight and Michael Bay's Ninja Turtles to see if they're actually that bad, and I've explored the interactive nature of video games by looking at the illusion of choice offered to the player. And I'm just getting started. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can search for Dan's Fandom in iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher app. Talk to you soon.
Who here likes comic books? Who likes superheroes? Who likes superhero comic books? From the 90s! That's what I thought. Hey there! I'm Nathaniel Wayne from the Council of Geeks, and though I've always loved superheroes, the only time I was buying monthly issues was during the much maligned 1990s. I've decided to go through my personal collection, issue by issue, and in my own little way, try to answer the question, were 90s comics really that bad? Chances are the answer will be yes, but I think these books deserve another chance, and they're going to get it on 90s Comics Retrial, part of the Council of Geeks podcast, available on iTunes and at 90scomicsretrial.wordpress.com. <laughs> Do the jingle, then. Euro trashes and Euro litter Head on the dance floor and shake your Twitter All right, and we're back from break. And first up, we've we've actually got four different pieces of feedback. We're gonna read two emails and two voicemails. Woohoo! So we're gonna start off with a voicemail from Dwayne Dwayne Feenstra. So uh, give us a sec. Let's uh, go ahead and listen to that, and then we'll respond. Hey guys, Dwayne Feenstra here. Just wanted to uh, share my thoughts on the threshold episode and on the series in general. Um, I loved your guys' take on it. It was not the most well-written or structured book series I've read. It was a little all over the place. It seemed to change its identity a couple of times. And I think it was really unfortunate that they did that. There was, I think, a glimmer of a good idea buried under all that chaos. I think they started well, and then they just... I don't know, they tried to escalate things to match, to make it an event, instead of just making it a story arc, and I think that might have been the problem, is they needed a big bad, they needed something massive to happen, where a very tight, well-structured story could have sold at least better and made more sense. Because when we look at Threshold at its base, I think it's a very interesting idea. You have an undercover Green Lantern, Okay, they used someone we've never heard of before, and it was kind of weird. They could have used a known one. They could have used Jack T. Chance. They could have used any one of the name guys we knew who are kind of fringy. And they stick him in a, on a planet where he's hunted. What we have is a combination of Running Man, an, a ridiculous Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, and Escape from New York. Because now we have this city that is just chaos all around them. If that would have just been the basis of this initial miniseries, this Green Lantern with a ring with, let's say, little to no charge, no contact with the outside. We keep the same arc. He's got to try to get out of there, survive, and the end goal being getting his lantern. Along the way in this, say four to six issue miniseries, you can still have the entire cast of characters that they were going to have. You can have the the you know Captain K-Rot. You could have had Star Hawkins. You could have had the Space Ranger. You could have had all those guys. 
which I think was, which I thought was an interesting idea going into the DC lore of cosmic characters and pulling out some backwater ones. Cause why not? You have them in your library, might as well use them, throw them in there. And all of a sudden now you have a ragtag team of crazy characters. You could have went crazy with the designs and, and you have some bonding moments. You can almost suicide squad it, maybe kill off one or two of them or something because no one cares if you kill off one of the space rangers. I think there was even a joke about the space ranger being dead and why was he alive all of a sudden? Just something like that. So you, then you have that. And at the end, Kale and his ragtag group of guys go, they get his lantern, they beat the bad guy, and they, you know, try to destroy whatever. What's his name? Adonis. And then you even have Blue Beetle come in like you had, because Blue Beetle is our springboard point. We go from having this six issue mini set on tolerance. Where after they defeat the bad guy, somehow that the anger, the Blue Beetle group, the Reach or whatever they're called. Now, this group of, say, five with, we'll say, you have Kale, you have Star Hawkins, you have the Danger Ranger, Space Ranger guy, you have Blue Beetle, you have Stealth. And hell, we'll throw Star Hawkins because why not? Everyone needs a detective. And maybe a cyborg ex-wife for, for shits and giggles. Yeah, those five or six now on the run from the Reach. Now they're in the outer reaches of space, outside of Green Lantern control or area, whatever. Now it becomes a almost like a Serenity Firefly type thing where this this band is trying to stay ahead of the Reach and stay alive long enough to do some good, to stop the Reach's influence. And now it's them versus the Reach out there and... Then we have Blue Beetle, and we have a bunch of other characters, and Blue Beetle's still kind of the star with this new with the Green Lantern, and that could have you know, that could have been another miniseries. I don't think any of these ideas would have ever been an ongoing. I don't think Threshold was even thought of being an ongoing. It wouldn't have worked. But you do the first mini, does that sell good enough? Then you do another six issue mini of them going against the Reach, and maybe that becomes a thing where you start mixing in more obscure cosmic characters you can throw cameos in of you know a green you know not maybe not the green lanterns but some of the guys they fight like a uh, dark star or whatever that guy's name is and the weaponers of cord could be a thing just explore the cosmos that dc has that they they kind of ignored you know marvel had that big run with annihilation wave when dna was working on all those books they could have had something similar with this. And it's disappointing that they didn't see the potential. I mean, your guys' reviews, just to wrap it all up, were pretty spot on. It wasn't great. The art was inconsistent. And it just didn't seem like it was a well-thought-out idea. And you can almost see in the writing by issue four that they knew it was just a clusterfuck. And I apologize for cursing. So... Overall, I'm disappointed that it wasn't better and the original idea was good, but hey, they can't all be pearls. Sometimes all you have is, I don't know, an oyster. I guess I don't know what the correct saying for that would be. Anyway, thanks for the great episode, and I look forward to hearing some more. Talk to you guys on the interwebs. Okay, what do you think about that?
I agree with some of his points. I think I certainly think that I well, I obviously agree with the stuff that he agrees with that we said, but <laughs> but in general, I do think there probably was a there probably was a seed of a good idea, something that could have germinated into a better story. Uh, I'm not sure if going into the the whole reach thing would have worked because I'm not a fan of the reach and all that stuff. But I think there there are there are probably different ways to go to for the story to have been more coherent, uh, to for for the concept to have been fleshed out where it would have been a more consistent story. And just because I figured you would appreciate this, I actually picked up the this week's episode of Telos. Only because I'm building towards the appearance of Parallax. I want to at least have an yeah, idea. Yeah, I read the solicit for number three. I saw the name. Yes. Well, not just K... Not Fucking just, crotch. Not just K-Rod, but the actually... Crotch. I almost forgot about it. I But Stealth is in there, too. She's at, she's in there, too. So it was, it's, so it's, it's kind of like a threshold reunion, which is probably why no one, not many people are buying Telos. <laughs> But like I said, I just I'm only buying that because I'm building up towards the parallax appearance to see if I need just in case I needed any background on wh- why he shows up or the relevance of it. But I just thought you would appreciate the uh, the the holdovers. Appreciates the right word. <laughs> okay, now you'll have nightmares about it. Uh, but it was a good voicemail. Uh, it's not yeah, surprising sure. coming from Dwayne. Uh, it would it would make sense, but, but yeah. For those who don't know, uh, Dwayne is one of the hosts of. The Final Issue Podcast. And I asked Dwayne a long time ago for a, um, a promo for that show, but he was not uh, having it. He didn't give me any promo. So I'm, as we record this, I'm going to bug him about it because I don't know what promos I'm sticking in our break at, right at this point. Uh, and maybe there will be a promo for that already in the show, and all of this is moot. <laughs> but uh, as of right now, Dwayne has neglected to give me a promo for the Final Issue Podcast. Uh, Final Issue is one of my favorite podcasts currently, and it's not because of Dwayne, because he's a douchebag. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, it's, it's smooth, really good, Chad, smooth! Yeah, it, they call it a, a comic book industry conversation show, uh, where they bring up various topics about the industry and take it from the point of view of creators, writers, artists, uh, comic journalists, uh, publishers, uh, and, and their various points of view on the comics and the topics of, uh, concerning the comics industry. Um, so it's a pretty cool, pretty cool, uh, podcast. It's one of the few I make time to listen to. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's, um, it's good time. So you should definitely check out the final issue podcast for sure. All right. Um, next up, I mean, I don't have much to say just because he's talking about Threshold and I, you know, I refuse to, trying to block it any, out. <laughs> refuse to devote any more time to that horrendous, horrendous pile of garbage. Um, I'll just say this. Uh, Dwayne said, let's see, what's the timestamp? Dwayne said more uh, coherent thoughts about Threshold in six minutes and 18 seconds than I had in an entire episode. <laughs> okay, so we got an email from Laurel Phillips. It says... Um, or it, uh, we got an email from Laurel. Uh, it says, State of the Green Lantern Union. Okay, so Chad and Mark, I just finished listening to episode 236, and I had some thoughts to add. I've only got time to jot down one, uh, jot one down for now. I've got the Omega Men book. Uh, I found the Omega Men book pretty impenetrable, and I am ho- and am hoping Kyle reverts to being a White Lantern in the end. 
What I'd like to see then is to add Kyle to the Sinestro book. Here's the story. I think the new Guardians would want to keep an eye on what Sinestro is doing. So they send Kyle over as the White Lantern who claims he wants to help Sinestro make the universe a better place. Kyle is friends with St. Walker, who Sinestro is already trying to manipulate and who would not understand Sinestro refusing the help of the White Lantern. Plus, Kyle used to date Sora, if that's still in continuity. Either way, she might be relieved to have someone to talk to that isn't under her father's thumb. So there are two ways right there for Kyle to gain access to the Sinestro Corps plans without needing Sinestro's approval. Plus, it would drive Sinestro crazy to have have to put up with Kyle's presence. After all, he refers to Kyle as the Alley Rat. However, Sinestro can't afford outright war with someone as powerful as the White Lantern while trying to establish the Sinestro Corps as a peacekeeping force in the universe, so he'd be stuck with Kyle as the new Guardian spy. Sinestro is a great manipulator, so how long would it take for him to find a way to take advantage of Kyle's power? And how would Kyle manage to help people while trying to avoid being used, Sinestro, used by Sinestro? How would the other Sinestro Corps members react to a new power in their midst? Heck, at one time, Arkillo had a grudging respect for Kyle as he taught Kyle to master wielding fear on his journey to becoming the White Lantern. Would his loyalty be torn? These are just a few of the interesting plot points that could come from adding Kyle to the Sinestro title. I'd love to see it. Thanks for putting together the panel uh, for the Green State of the Green Lantern universe. I enjoyed the show, Laurel. Um, as I was reading that, because that was the first time I read that all the way through as I was reading it, I was thinking, um, did you forget that Sinestro loathes Kyle's very existence? <laughs> and that ultimately is the only... See, again, when I read it the first time, that's the first thing that popped into my head, is you were reading it out loud. So I actually had wanted to do this email, but the fact maybe oh, it was better... Sorry, maybe the fact that you read it, when, and I'm just listening to it... You, there, there are a lot of... Po- her points are valid from the point of view that there are a lot of potential you know, storylines and I concepts in there. But the, looking at looking at it objectively, some of the big problems are exactly the first one you mentioned. Not only does Sinestro hate every single thing about Kyle from top to bottom, Kyle's not exactly fond of Sinestro either, nor should he be based on what he's done in his past. So the odds of them being able to coexist unless they absolutely had to would be extremely unlikely. Yes, it would help Kyle. It would, having Kyle around would would help uh, Sinestro manipulate Saint Walker. And from a, and again, if he if Sinestro really thinks Saint Walker is such a big key to him gaining more control of the universe, then maybe if that's going to convince Saint Walker more that Sinestro, that he's doing the right thing by joining Sinestro, you know, having Kyle around, you could possibly see that for a short period of time. But again, like like you mentioned, and we both in agreement there that he that the hate Sinestro has for Kyle is so strong, it's, it's unlikely. Plus, we don't even know what the we don't even know where the hell the New Guardians are. We don't even know if the New Guardians are still even in our universe because <laughs> we White haven't because we haven't seen them since. Are you talking about the White Lanterns? No, the New Guardians because she says I think the New Guardians would want to keep an eye on what Sinestro is doing. So the new guardians is in the Templar guardians. That's what assume, but that's what I'm assuming she means. Okay, I just didn't know if we were referring to the Templar guardians or the White Lanterns. Well, she, re- you, she re- could have been referring to, I mean, to you know, uh, Carol and Lorfleas and Atrocitus yeah. and that group too. But or I assume, she could have been referring to the group from. <laughs> yeah, but I'm assuming. I'm assuming. I'm assuming. Millennium. She, yeah, I'm assuming she means the Templar guardians because they are the most recent group labeled uh, the new guardians. Uh, but 
yeah, the new Guardians, the new Guardians might be willing to have uh, Kyle go undercover like that, but it's not that, but it's not a great undercover assignment because because is not going to trust Kyle, <laughs> even if he could, even if he could tolerate him, he wasn't going, he wouldn't trust him. But but some of her points are, I mean, definitely there could be some. In, there could be in some interesting things there. Kyle trying to gain Sinestro's trust, and, but yet, what can he do, and what you know, what does he allow Sinestro to do at the same time without blowing the cover? But with the power that he has, how far can you know? Where do you draw the line? Uh, related to Arkillo, I, I, I have stated this before. I really feel bad for Arkillo because Arkillo, as we've seen fleshed out in in multiple stories, he's. He does have an absolute horrible side to him, but there's but he's got, but there's more to him than you know than that, and and it's hard for and it's our Ar, like it always seems like Arkillo's betting on the wrong horse, so when he bets on the right one, he gets screwed for doing it. So it's kind of like, could he possibly have mixed feelings? Oh, I guess he could. Tim, I guess he could if he because he kind of had it before when he feels like Sinestro has betrayed the ideas that the core was founded on. So it's not beyond the realm of possibility that Arkillo can get pulled away, especially when he does kind of keep constantly getting, like, the paper, the rolled-up newspaper smashed on his snout all the time. But I don't think Kyle's going to be... But Kyle, but he's not going to be gravitating to Kyle, you know, for that for that reason alone. You would think, in all honesty, he would probably gravitate to St. Walker more than Kyle, because he actually had more of a true... Uh, unconventional, though it was, but he had more of a real friendship deep down but and respect the thing for Sam Walker than he really did for Kyle. So maybe, yeah, both of them are pulling at him, maybe. But I I so it there's absolutely a lot of good ideas and it would make for some interesting stories and in what Laurel said. But again, uh before I turn this back to you, uh sorry about that by the way. That no I, I don't think that uh I think Sinestro's absolute hatred for Kyle would make would make it really really difficult unless you come up with a scenario in which he has no choice yeah. in which there's a threat in which he needs Kyle to help him and then since there's no Green Lantern Corps and you know maybe Kyle has no idea what you know maybe Kyle thinks Hal's gone too and all this stuff which is kind of be cool cuz it kind of be the reverse of what everybody thought Kyle was gone but Hal thought Kyle was gone now Kyle thinks Hal is gone that Kyle might feel all alone. The new, the new Guardians aren't there. St. Walker is there, one of the last friends that he has left. That maybe under those circumstances, then they could have maybe an uneasy alliance for a short period of time. So, so it's possible a story like that could happen. I just don't necessarily know if if they're if it's in the in the works. Yeah, I don't I don't believe that Sinestro has it in him to, regardless of what's happening, Sinestro doesn't have it in him to bring Kyle in in the loop. Um, before we move on to the next email, since she referenced Omega Men, uh, so does the next, uh, issue, but I figured I'd uh, uh, sandwich it in here. Between the, um, State of the Green Lantern Union episode and this one, uh, we had some Twitter stuff, and, and typically we don't really talk Twitter anymore, but this one was of note. Uh, Dan, uh, former co-host of the Lantern cast, Dan Kurtzke, tweeted us, uh, on the 25th and said, what the hell? Carol died off panel? And uh, I'm just going to read you this whole conversation, this back and forth here. Uh, and I said, yep, welcome to the beginnings of our Omega Men outrage. And use the hashtag Omega Men. Uh, and I showed the panel where Kyle is clutching a body. Um, and then someone named Andy Corey says, that's not Carol, that's Alex. 
That's significant because Andy is one of the editors of the Omega Men. So he says, that's not Carol, that's Alex. And I said, really unclear in the comic, though. He's calling Carol's name, sketching her, and despondent. Then we're given this. Really makes it seem like Carol. Um, and by the way, I meant that in sequence of what's happening in the series, not in that particular issue. You know, when we first see Kyle, he's calling Carol's name. When we next see Kyle, he's sketching Carol. When And then we get this background. So that's what I meant, that sequence of events. And then he says... I'm sorry that it was unclear. He doesn't reference Carol in that issue, though. I said, with it happening uh, with other core in the background after Kyle goes white and no name mentioned, lots of fans assume Carol. Not berating you about it, just explaining why the confusion. Other core, example, other core show up after Kyle and Alex. By the time Kyle gets a white ring, Alex is long dead and he's with Carol. To be fair, though, we never really liked the whole Kyle and Carol romantic thing anyways. <laughs> LOL. And he says, it was intentionally nonlinear, but that's a fair criticism. But you and your listeners can rest assured we didn't kill Carol. And uh, I said, cool, we'll definitely let our listeners know next time we record. That's why I'm doing it right now. Uh, it was a topic of discussion last episode. And then Andy <laughs> says, I suppose we could have used the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> And I said that would have been abundantly clear. But I'm certain if the goal was nonlinear uncertainty, that wouldn't accomplish that. And he says the goal wasn't not wasn't uncertainty. We deliberately contrasted the hugest of the enemies he defeated against one of against one inescapable failure. Your point is well taken though. And I said appreciate it. We just read and comment on him. We're just happy you took the time out to give us the four one one. So Carol is not dead. Evidently. Good. We don't All want right. her dead. We just don't want her with Kyle. <laughs> and we did. We did have someone who goes by uh, at Tsunamiaki or the Jack. Uh, he said, uh, "Still listening to two thirty six, but Biker Guardian is Appa Ali Apsa." I remember there was some confusion about. Cor- that's, who I, that's who I assumed he meant because from, yeah. during the whole hard travel, you know, the, all that, all that time. That's why I assumed that that's what he kind of meant. Um, but. You know, uh, some, something, uh, just to throw it out there. Um, uh, I was talking about, um, I, I wrote a, a mini review of, of Green Lantern 47, which we haven't gotten to yet, uh, which, uh, shows, uh, you know, how on earth, uh, and he's, I, you know, tagged Robert Venditti and he says, I'm glad you liked it. 84 more pages of how on earth await. Yeah, I said he can't. I I can't wait. And he goes. Also, Earth blows up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I said, eh, had to happen sometime. Was it the Vogans, <laughs> or or did John screw things up again? Cosmic Odyssey Part Two. And then Robert Robert responded, Chip, the final revenge. <laughs> <laughs> I said, damn it, Sinestro, knock it off with the yellow bulldozer constructs. It's just making it worse. <laughs> you guys really should join our Twitter. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, That was a lot of fun. Okay, so you want to get to Jay's email? Yes. And I also did sing, even though I I didn't have as long a conversation because, you know, I didn't want to get into spoilers either, but I did. We also had the mini conversation with Robert about, since I sang sang his praises for the preview pages of Green Lantern 47, (laughs) just because even though at the end of the book, it's absolutely, you know, you absolutely know what it was. Where where it was going, but even the first few preview pages kind of tell you, 
in a way was coming and it's just it was just so nice to see. <laughs> uh who knows how this story arc's gonna end, but at least it's re- it's it's nice it's gonna be nice while it lasts, so let's put it that way. <laughs> uh and and that's all I have to say about that until we get to uh the next ep- next issue review because I don't don't want to go into spoilers in case people haven't read 47 yet. So, so yes, we have uh, Jay's email, another female listener. So we're on a roll. Two two female two female listeners uh, emails back to back. It's pretty good. Uh, so, hey, ladies! <laughs> ladies' night. Chad <laughs> got his wish. This is and now we night. will no longer get any more <laughs> emails from female that's listeners. That's right. <laughs> we're, we're gonna call God, this seg- that creep Chad. <laughs> this this segment of of listener feedback is ladies night. <laughs> uh, hello, Lantern Cast. I started listening very recently, and this is my first time writing in. Thank you very much. Some quick thoughts on the current state of the Lantern line. I like the idea of Hal on his own, but I'm tired of how miserable he's been throughout Van Diddy's run. Nothing good has happened to him in nearly 30 issues, and it doesn't look like things are getting any brighter soon. I'm still not fan of, still not fond of Tan's art, preaching to the choir, especially how he draws Hal. Anything you want to add there before we move on? No, nah, just read the whole thing. Uh, it, it, I, I mean, I, I kind of agree with most of this anyway. So. Okay. Lost Army was okay. It seems slowly paced, hoping for a little more excitement from Edge of Oblivion. Sinestro has been the most consistent last Lantern book and also my favorite for quite a while now. Bun characterizes Sinestro really, really well, and it's hard to, and it's had, excuse me, great art throughout. Woo-hoo. Yes, I only read the Lobo issues that connected to Sinestro, but it really wasn't, it wasn't really to my taste. I don't like Lobo being able to tear through dozens of ring wearers like they're nothing, and while it makes sense that Sinestro would want to have the other cores killed off, but it's not something I actually want to read. I agree. Mm-hmm. I maybe have a minority opinion on Omega Men, but I think it's one of DC's best books, and I really like what it's doing with Kyle. Disclaimer, I disliked Kyle as a White Lantern, and I disliked pretty much everything that was done with him in New Guardians. I strongly prefer his characterization in Omega Men over New Guardians. I like that it's returning to his roots as more of an everyman character, and I really like that his situation in Omega Men is completely unique to, to Kyle. You couldn't substitute Hal, John, or Guy in his role and tell the same, and tell the same story. Have you uh, read any Omega Men, Mark? No, but maybe I'm going to have to at this point just to find out what's going on. Uh, it would, when she refers to returning to his roots as more of an everyman character, she means that just as kind of Kyle being just a guy. But there's also – he. you remember it used to be uh, a point of contention of what Kyle's lineage was, like what his race was? Yes. Okay, it was he used to be Irish and and now he's Latino or something like that or has Latin a Latin yes. background. Well, there's a, a moment within Omega Man that he's I think he's got a crucifix and he's saying a a a Catholic prayer in Spanish if, if I'm not mistaken, or he's just saying a Catholic prayer, something like that. He's there, there's 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 influ, there's definitely a moment where you see Kyle saying something that if you didn't remember that particular part of Kyle's history, you'd be like, wait, 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 that's Kyle? Like, you didn't... If, if you were new and, and didn't know that part of Kyle's history, you'd, you'd, you'd be kind of thrown for a loop on that. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And I, and I was, and it's, inter- it's good to get another point of view on Omega Man. I think part of the problem, as we know, with the Kyle 
the Kyle legacy or certainly Kyle fans is that a lot of Kyle fans would be don't want to see him as an everyman. We've kind of talked about this before. That that may have been his roots, but in a way they the, the to them a certain percentage anyway that Kyle has to always be unique. And Kyle has to be the torchbearer. That's, yes, that's he my has point to, of view. He has to be the he at this point if Kyle's not something special then they, that percentage of the Kyle fan base feels that he's being slighted. So whether he's Ion, whether he's the White Lantern, it, yes, in some way, shape, or form, he has to be a torchbearer, the torchbearer, and he has to, and to. This has to be demonstrated by him being unique and standing out amongst all the other lanterns, at least Green, at least Green Lanterns. So, mm-hmm. so I understand her point, and I think there's rel- and there's a lot of truth in that. But I think there's, I think a huge part of Kyle's fan base really don't want, they don't want to see that, which is probably part of the reason, part of the reason why uh, they would be against any story arc that was kind of like l- peeling back the layers to get him closer to the, the way he was, you know, long before he was, you know, Ion. Um, and just, just, just uh, toss it free. out there, just, just real quick. Um, I think. Um, I think my problem with Omega Men isn't necessarily how it's written. It's just my knowledge of the series before starting to read it. You know, um, I knew that they had sort of tossed aside the whole White Lantern thing like it was nothing. I I was under the impression that they had killed off Carol. So I then downloaded the issues and went in to read it. So you see, I went in with a bad taste in my mouth. And then I saw all that stuff, and it just solidified that. And with the confusion about Carol's death, because this 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 woman that he's holding, he's in his current cost his current quote unquote costume, his current Green Lantern costume. He's he's not in his you know '90s costume, and you know that would that would for sure have been a good you know yep. a good visual representation that that wasn't Carol. Uh, but this woman is in a sort of a, a casual business. Uh, you know, she's in a skirt and a, a dress shirt, and she's got long hair. Uh, it's maybe auburn or darker uh, brown in color, and that doesn't really necessarily – to me, uh, Alex was blonde. Yes. Uh, and, and this woman is also wearing high heels. Um, and, yes, you know, there were moments where you saw Alex, and she was really dressed up and really pretty. But you typically saw her in like jeans and a you know a pair of sneakers running around with a camera. You know what I mean? Yes. So so visually and because there was no name mentioned because of the backdrop in which the characters appeared, you know it was after you know it, sequentially in that flashback it was after he had obtained all the rings. I just I think it's really easy. You could have just assumed it was Carol. Uh, thanks to Andy, obviously we know it's then we now know it's not, and maybe. I'll have come, you know, maybe if they get a little further in that storyline, I'll go back and reread those issues panel by panel rather than just focusing in on the Kyle stuff and add, you know, add to my, you know, reading list the, the newer issues that have come out whenever I decide to retackle it. Maybe I'll have a different opinion. And if I do, I'll definitely let people know because I definitely want, in, in the interest of fairness, I definitely want to do that. But, you know, I just, just, and again, in the interest of fairness, I just think it's, you know, that's how I went into it. So, makes already sense. having a negative taste in my mouth. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I think even from some of the solicits, it was really easy to, um, even before, I think. And it just seemed like it was an odd be- jumping on point. And I think that probably made a lot of people a little uncomfortable, you know? 
And plus the fact that it does seem like a majority, many people. Let's, I mean, let me not say the majority, but it seems certainly seems it's not an it's not a it's, what's the best way to phrase it? It's certainly not a unique opinion that the book seems to have a little. It's a little hard to crack that nut to get into what's going on and, and to get into the flow of things. It seems like many people have commented on the fact that they once they started you know, started to try to read the first issue or whatever, and it's like they figured, well, at this point, maybe maybe I got to wait till it finishes, just so I can then I just force myself, to, you know, to read all of it at one time as opposed to. Yeah, I know that's Corwin's point of view. Yeah, and there are other, and there, but there's but there's other people. Yes, that Corwin is the one who. Definitely, absolutely said that concept about kind of like trying to plow through it all at once. But there's been, but there were other. I think there were. I mean, there's been other feedback about how it was in almost. Yeah, you know, I think it was uh, Laurel who mentioned that she found Omega Men impenetrable, and a lot of people, I think, many people, I think, have had that take. It may not be the majority of people, but some people have, because some people yeah. seem to like Omega Men. But I'm not. But I'm not necessarily sure if the people who really love Omega Men are Green Lantern guys, or just people who like the story on its own, you know. Um, <clears throat> continuing Jay's email, where do I want to see the GL franchise go? I don't have a preference in regards to how being on Earth or in space, but I want to see him with a supporting cast that actually feels like they like him, and I want the endless misery to actually end. If his life, his life has been completely torn down, I'd like to see it rebuilt. For an, for an anthology-style title, I'd love to see more focus on female Green Lanterns. The Green Lantern franchise is very male-heavy, and while I love the dude lanterns, there's a lot of awesome ladies that rarely get the spotlight they deserve. Arlande, Sorenik, Arisia, Brick, 2-6, Feska, and, all, and others all have a lot of potential that is rarely lived up to. Women from the other cores could guest star and team up occasionally. Since they're all aliens, showing their home worlds could go... It could be a nice way to get insight and see some more locations in Cosmic DC. I think Sinestro is on the right track. The book isn't going to last forever, but hopefully it'll go out with a bang when it goes. That's another Corwin sentiment. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I'd like to see John Guy, Kyle, and Baz in a Green Lantern Core title. Maybe split split them into pairs and have one pair focused on core stuff and the other pair branch out into more Cosmic DC areas. And for the record, I'm a woman. I would be interested in hearing more from other female Green Lantern fans. Thanks for the podcast, and keep up the great work. Um, I mean, I, I definitely have no problem, because, again, the whole point of the anthology series is to have spotlights on multiple lanterns. Me, personally, I would not rule out female lanterns as being a part of that. Um, I think, though, if you're looking at the entire history of the core in terms of comic-wise, I don't mean like the internal history of the core, uh, you know, in 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 its own universe, but us in the real world reading those comics uh, of the publishing history of Green Lantern. There have been a lot of good spotlight stories on various characters. Arisi, of course, being one of them. Um, um, Iolande and uh, and in that group was for yeah, you know, in Sora was really highlighted uh, during John's run. Uh, you know, Aresia, like I said, Aresia's got probably the biggest spotlight of any female character. She had, like, a whole arc for a long time. Um, Brick and um, Boudica, you know, they they had, you know, pretty big arcs in the 90s and stuff, so... Yeah, there's, there, it's not the... I think, I think she has a point when it turn when, when we're talking recently 
uh, well, it, very recently. Uh, if we're talking about the entire publishing history of the Green Lantern Corps, we've definitely had a very strong various various female lanterns have at their own point during the publishing history a strong story arc or strong presence in the story. But again, the whole point of the anthology series is just to have a multiple stories, and I would not be adverse to having, you know, a couple of them here and there be, be focused on female characters purposefully, or even a whole issue focused on all female characters. God, I mean, they have... Marvel has A-Force. Like, I was reading a, uh, about the first five issues of the A-Force series, um, and that was a, a... The whole gimmick of that was all female... Uh, 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 powered heroes, you know, you have She-Hulk and, uh, you know, God, I don't even remember the list of them, but there's a bunch of female characters all on this this one team, um, and that was the whole gimmick of the book, but it was still pretty cool. I wouldn't be averse to seeing uh, an anthology series that has a special all-female issue, you know, or spread out a bunch of various female stories throughout the anthology series. I just want a freaking anthology series. <laughs> That would be nice, uh, and yeah, it, it were, you actually could have some pretty a pretty cool story now with with Ilande with uh, Sornik since they're now on opposite cores. Mm-hmm. That would be having partners reunite, but yet you know not be partners anymore. Kind of like the Sinestro Hal kind of thing. Kind of have that little thing carry, <laughs> passed on through the gene the genes. Uh, one of the I like two six greatly. I think I mentioned that before. I like Fesca greatly. Uh, that's one of the things that has kind of sucked in the post convergence era that we have not seen anything or heard anything about Fesca since since Core wrapped up. One of the things we probably didn't we I think we kind of alluded to it in the State of the Green Lantern Union episode. One of the things they did really well, certainly in Green Lantern Core, and if I, we didn't mention it, I'm mentioning it now. So Van Jensen certainly gets a lot of credit for this. Uh, was that they did create a bunch of new characters that actually were interesting. A bunch of new characters that we kind of, I think as readers, grew to care about. I mean, we, we both, when we, we talked about Jeruk last issue, I was, it was Myron, right, who was upset Jeruk was killed, besides yeah. me, that Jeruk was a pretty cool character. And he, and the relationship he and Fesca were kind of, that was they were alluding to this relationship that was possibly going to develop since he felt strong, at least pre- he felt, at the very least, very, very protective towards her, which probably implied that he had stronger feelings for her. But that's now, thanks to the stupid stuff in Lost Army with regards to Jeruk, we're never going to see that, assuming Fesca's still alive. But Fesca was a really cool character. 2-6 is a cool character. Uh, the mere fact that she was part of you know, Hal's inner council was pretty cool because she was somebody who was, yes, she was like Spock-like from the lot, based on logic, and that's probably why she was there. But still, she was a relatively new member of the core, but she was given a powerful position. So I absolutely would be, yeah, you know, I would love to. I would love to see spotlights more on on the female characters. But like you said, an anthology using different members of different cores is something that would be really, really, really good. And I really, I think in a way that is. I mean, you can't say it's probably, it's certainly not more likely than another variation of the Green Lantern Corps book, but it might be more intriguing at this point, especially as long as Sinestro is going to continue and, and as long as the Sinestro Corps is going to be basically the Green Lantern Corps in the universe right now. As long as that status quo holds holds its place, as we talked about too, that maybe we don't need a Green Lantern Corps book short term as long as that's the status quo because it's more interesting kind of seeing, trying to see the bad guys do it. 
plus seeing somebody, plus seeing the beginnings of somebody trying to establish a police force as opposed to now we're about to the point where the Green Lanterns, even after, even after they disappear and they come back and they, and they get disbanded and everything else, the concept has already been established that Green Lanterns are protectors of the universe, so it's kind of like almost a given that that's their role. So, so see, to see another core ascend to that position and, and, and the process you have to go through to start winning, winning the trust, whether, whether it's through trust, whether it's through respect, whether it's through fear, all these different things that Sinestro has kind of hinted at that he's going to try to use to build you know, the, the, the base of support, that I think that is a more interesting story right now. But, but So an anthology book definitely, I think, is, to me, would be more interesting right now certainly in the next short term than another launch of the core book. Uh, agree with her about Sinestro. If they do have a Green Lantern core book, you would have, at this point, I mean, who knows who's going to be in what book. Uh, it would, certainly would not hurt John, God, uh, Hal to have a sector partner. So any one of the guy of the th- four guys she mentions would be good. I don't think, it's hard to imagine Hal and Kyle being sector partners even though I guess that could make it for a short term, it could make for some interesting stories because as as much as they've kind of had a friendship but not a super close friendship, they really haven't done all that much together, side by side, uh, consistently. So it would that would not be bad short term. I think you could see Hal and Kyle would be would be kind of cool to see that. But I wouldn't mind seeing any one of those guys at least pa- pa- uh, partnering up, palling up with Hal if they were going to if they were going to do that. I don't know if all four could be in one Green Lantern core book, because then you would never then it would be hard to get a focus on some of the other core members, you know. But so I don't know. That those pretty much are my thoughts. But it certainly was an excellent email. For sure. All right, you want to do the voicemail from Jesse? Ah uh, yes, Jesse's voicemail. Okay, so we'll go ahead and play that, and then we'll be right back. Hi, Chad and Mark. This is Jesse. Um, in the car, so I couldn't write a, a long email like I usually do. So I decided to <clears throat> make a, give you a quick call with something that I just thought of uh, before I forget it. I was listening to your panel discussion, um, and the entities were mentioned, and it popped into my head that the core is on the opposite side of the source wall from the main universe. The entities went through the source wall, and we just had the power pyramids, or whatever you want to call them, uh, supercharge Mogo uh, such that he could use all the colors. What if those power pyramids are somehow connected to the entities? Uh, be curious to see if they go that direction with Edge of Oblivion. Um, well, that's all for now. Uh, it's just a thought I had, and I wanted to share it before I forgot about it. Bye. All right. Um, interesting thought. Uh, as far as a delineation between what's happening, I just think that the difference is John and the other, and the core is on the other side of the source wall, and I think the other side of the source wall doesn't necessarily mean that it's a one-in-one thing with one dividing line. Like, you have our universe, the source wall, and on the other side of the source wall is, is Relic's universe. I think the other side of the source wall is all of the multiverse and all of the timelines and all of the previous universes and all of the future universes. Um, I think the... I, th- I don't think it's... You know, again, the, 
I don't know if I'm explaining it very well, but I don't think it's, you know... That clear-cut, basically. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's that clear-cut. Uh, additionally, the, the uh, entities didn't, to me, the way I interpreted it, the entities didn't go through the source wall to the other side. The entities went into the source wall. So yes, John and the other core and the uh, and the core is on the other side of the source wall in one of the points on the other side of the source wall, but they're not within the source wall. And I think that's the difference. The the core is on one of the other sides of the source wall, and the entities are inside the source wall. See, that's a fine line for me because you you the concept is so embedded, at least in me, that anything basically in the source wall is stone. Even though we know that could technically be the outer shell. On the source wall. Yes. There's, there's on the source wall and, and the source it, wall yeah, on the other yeah, side. Yeah, I don't know. I, the, the thing is, maybe this has been, is left vague on purpose, is that all we know is somehow by going, by, by crossing through the source wall. The way they did, wherever they ended up. The point was, wherever, they ended up where the reservoir of the emotion of the, the emotional spectrum supposedly is. Whether that's inside the source wall, whether that's beyond the source wall, we really don't one hundred percent I don't think know that. But wherever that it wherever that point is, whether that stupid reservoir which we most of us wish didn't really exist, that as long as it's until it gets done away with, that is continuity. So wherever that I'm 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 doing bunny ears parentheticals here, wherever the source wall you know the reservoir is, that's where the entities went. So I don't I do tend to agree that it's probably not likely that it's just yeah they just like crossed you know straight over like an exit ramp and they're not they're on the next highway. Uh, I but I don't necessarily know if I think they're literally physically inside the source wall. They could be the reason I guess the thing that points to that. If you will, looking at an issue we just talked about tonight is the fact that Relic made the point of saying that, you know, Black Hand basically was dormant. He didn't say he was fused to the source wall like everything else is on the outside. He said he was dormant, which gives you the impression he is dormant within the source wall. So. And Black Hand technically is an entity, right? Yeah, he kind of is. He basically That's what was, they said during Black Yeah, he was Black he Night. was the death he was the death entity. So, based using that, let me backtrack a little that being, you know, objective and thinking about, you know, what going back to what we talked about and what was said in that issue. It could be, especially if you want to believe that the same thing that happened in a way, the same thing that happened even though they did refill the reservoir, that maybe the same exact thing has happened to all the entities that crossed over that they are not dead. They are just dormant inside the source wall. So that is, so that is more, now, based on what we talked about in tonight's issue, actually, that, that might be more plausible than I would, than I had originally thought, or I agree with the concept. It was always plausible. I agree with, I, mean, I think I agree with the concept a little bit more that that could be what, that could be what's going on. But we still need a little more fleshing out about the, about exactly what happened. I just wish, of course, they would just do away with it. <laughs> But, especially when we had that point, like I mentioned in Lost Army, which stood out about how Salak is going on about, oh, you know, you, 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 it's not, it's not an, it's not a dead, you know, it's not an unliving world, it's not a dead world, because what, you know, you couldn't really have a, you know, without life, you can't have emotion. Well, 
Well, maybe. On a basic point, on a basic logic, that makes sense. I mean, emotional beings, living beings have emotions. So, with, if, you know, the dead, the dead don't have emotions. But it's also kind of making it sound like the power, in a way, might come from the emotion. So you can't, but I don't know. We're going off on a tangent. Either way, it's possible. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I would not mind if somehow the entities played a role in getting, you know, the lanterns back or at least seeing the entities, even if nothing happened with them yet, but we get a glimmer that they're still alive. I would not mind that at all. Yeah. That happened in Edge of Oblivion, but do I necessarily think that's going to happen or that's going to factor into them coming back? I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, is there anything else to say about Jesse's voicemail? No, it was good having a voicemail from Jesse, and we do like your long email. So, but this was a nice this was a nice change of pace, and it was a good it was a good point. It was a good yeah. topic, certainly based on just what Chad and I just discussed in the last few minutes. It certainly was an interesting. Makes you think, and that's yeah. good. So, two voicemails and two emails. Uh, before <coughs> I hand it over to Mark to wrap us up. Thank you, especially to Laurel and Jay. Uh, we we asked in 236 if in the state of the Green Lantern Union if if you know we had female listeners and if you know maybe we could have an all female get together and 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 talk about what the female perspective on the Green Lantern universe is or what things you're liking and not liking or, or whatever. And now we've got we've heard from two of our female listeners just you know after that. So that's really cool. Um, and, uh, you know, and it's not just us now asking you, you, you ladies out there to write into us and let us know what you're thinking and, and what, you, what you're thinking of both the Green Lantern universe and our show in general, but also uh, the, 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 some of the ladies who have been writing in so far also want to hear from more of you. So uh, there's a big call and push right now for our female listeners to, to let us know uh, what you're thinking of the show and of the comics and, and so on and so forth in, in the Green Lantern universe. So... Definitely, 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 if you're a female listener and you're listening to our show, definitely write in. And Mark, how can they contact us? Well, Chad, they can contact <laughs> us by emailing us, lanterncast at gmail.com, lanterncast at gmail.com. Please visit our website, lanterncast.com. You can read Chad's initial, uh, initial non-spoilery thoughts on Green Lantern 47, our Ringcyclopedia episodes, which there'll be a new one going up soon, our Dark Star reviews, current news, and obviously you can find, besides the next part of our disclaimer, before you, you can also find our episodes on our website to be able to download there. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, hashtag GLCast to locate us on all of those. You can also download our episodes or find them on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you like us on one or both, please, or listen to us on one or both, please leave us positive reviews. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail and join in with the cool kids and do that, call us at 708-LANTERN. 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Uh, and I don't, as of right now, I don't think we know what the next episode is, but we definitely know the holiday episode is coming up, so be prepared. <laughs> That's more true for us, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody.